So what was the company, since we were uh, shouting out good, nice people that you just said that was helping you with? Oh, you should have asked me that before we went live. <laughs> um, I can look for it as we talk. But um, yeah, this awesome local company that um, I asked some questions about some tax things. And actually, I, I'm going to have to send it to you later yeah. because I, that whole conversation is archived Perfect. somewhere. So. Um, yeah, but a local tax company, I needed some help with some stuff and posted in this Facebook group and a lot of different corporations gave a bunch of phone number or like gave different times of availability for like Zoom meetings and stuff and this guy just reached out at like 9 p.m., explained the whole process in 30 minutes and yeah, so and really just, cool thing. And really all cool he thing. wanted was just, hey, yeah. shout out my company, like it. Just, just help out with a little bit of advertisement so that the next person knows. See, I like what you said where you want to become an asset to their company. Because, I mean, that that really, what that's what it is. Like, if you have such a positive interaction with someone who is literally just trying to spread their name, that's the best asset you can have. Yep. Well, it's a completely, it's a delineation from everything that we've seen over the last 40 years. Because, I mean, when, you, when you're trained within corporations, all of their training is follow the templates, wear the name tag, mm -hmm. smile and act happy, <laughs> and maintain a certain level of equanimity until you're allowed to leave, right. and we don't need you anymore for the night. And it's also brought on with the expectation of, if you break this contract, we can leave at any point. But if we do, then you no longer have the ability to maintain your current homeostasis at home, right. which is crazy. So. Like, yeah. It is crazy, and it's it's so interesting. Do you look at a lot of other countries and how they kind of operate? Um, um, honestly, I've been really focused on Utah, yeah. and like I've I've heard a lot of I've seen a lot of things on Facebook of, of what other countries are doing, and and um, I mean I heard amazing things about Norway. Yeah, and, that's what I was gonna bring up. Yeah. Is uh, I, I don't know enough to really broaden the subject, but. It seems like a lot of their companies in Norway and Finland and Sweden, they're very personable and they understand that like at the core, unless you're doing something that you love doing, most people don't want to be spending 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day working yeah. for a company that's not paying them. So they have like, I can't remember, it's something like 100 some odd days off a year that are Yep. set and you know they work monday tuesday have wednesday off work thursday friday have saturday sunday off like yeah i honestly think that if if we want to build a true i don't want to say utopia because that's that will never happen but if you want to build something that allows for your citizens to truly be happy it is give us more freedom to be able to survive without having to worry about i gotta make sure i get my 40 hours yep and that's the thing is that even on an anatomical scale, the human body isn't equipped to maintain the same action for longer than six hours. Right. So, I mean, like, we should, I, I think the first thing is, is cut down at least two hours a day yep. and allow people to spend those two hours at home with family or doing whatever they want to do instead. And then also, the whole idea of, of the corporate pro profit margin always wanting to be the highest... Um, priority and 
creating models that are only sustainable if the cost of an individual is like a five to six percent of that margin. Right. Like it's the, those models are no longer viable no. at all. And so being able to redistribute more of that margin towards the actual employee employee during that process and be willing as corporations to um, lower the profit margin of each interaction that is maintaining their infrastructure. <clears throat> I mean, those two things to me are, are paramount importance of, of first actions. And and for the huge corporations that are have billionaires or millionaires sitting at the table at the top, like they've already proven that they can do that yeah. and not be too heartbroken over how much they're not getting in return. <laughs> so. well, and I really think too, a lot of it turns into I feel I, I've never been in a position of having enough money to not know what to do with it, as most people um, are in that situation. And I feel like when a lot of people get to that million dollar status, it just turns into like a, how much can I get? Exactly. And that really shouldn't be the mindset because if you, if you take the time and you listen to your employees and listen to the struggles that they're going through, a lot of them are very similar in the fact that, hey, we're... I'm barely making rent. Yeah. Rent is so, especially here in Utah, rent is crazy. Yeah. You know, and I work at a company that I won't name, and they're they're fine, but there's been problems with raises, and it's like they give out dollar raises, which is forty extra dollars a week for me, which would help. What is that to a billion dollar industry? Yeah. Nothing. A penny on the floor, yeah. and that's what I don't get is they're holding off on raises, but just to have that profit margin just a little bit higher but for who <laughs> your yeah. stockholders like no i actually i met this dude at um one of the conventions over at the salt palace I, I was an ab tech and he was one of the companies he was actually the ceo of one of the companies that was there presenting the product and um he was extremely excited about the fact that his company had made enough money that he was able to give health care to all of his employees that gives me and chills yeah that's was really so cool. cool talking to him and the more that i talked to him he actually told me that he had a, a term that he has trademarked and that he i asked him if i could use it but um he um, said that money is the lubrication to life it allows you to go wherever you want to go it's very true and so that's the thing is for the people that have that have lived in the world where they can have the mentality of i do have excess where do i want to spend it we need like taking into consideration that there are people that have never felt that right. that have never had that kind of opportunity in life so not only are we debil destabilizing and debilitizing people by taking them away from their lives and their families and their kids and making them work hours that are not conducive for the human nature mm -hmm. but then we're siphoning so much away from them and then we siphon so much out of them with with tickets and parking and insurance and all these other things that they go home and they don't even have the lubrication or the economic expenses to be able to do the things that they would even want to do during that time. It's like, right. like a painter that doesn't have enough money to buy a canvas or a mechanic that doesn't have enough money to buy the next part for his car. Right. Like it's, it's, and, and the individual that has to wait months before they can make that expense, it's just, it's not, we're literally 
suppressing. It's it's it is it is the most interesting form of suppression because it's the slowest boil. Right. <laughs> well, and on top of the fact that I mean, if we look at it, I'm not saying businesses do this because I think it's just inherently in. I don't think that it's anyone who's thought of this, but if you were an evil person, an evil, greedy person who just wants money, what's the best way to do it? Make sure that people have to work by doing all those things. Codependency. And, you know, it. I don't know if that is built in to our economy just flat out. I mean, we have a lot of opportunity for people to make a lot of money, especially in 2020 in different forms, even entertaining or creating a new crazy fashion line or whatever it might be but we still the average person is still so codependent on whatever business they're working for that that business is just gonna drain you and that's the thing is that for the first time we have options like the thing that blows me away is that this thing was in my pocket (laughs) this thing that's in my pocket has a capability with one app to do what a department of 40 heads 400 years ago when we started the industrial age would have been capable of. One app can do what a department of 40 people were doing 300 to 400 years ago. So, I mean, that's crazy. That's absolutely mind-boggling to me of like the, the options that we have available for people to document first-hand experiences of reality and actually get truth out so that way we can have open dialogue and narrative the ability to express ideas and express content and express ourselves yeah like we we live in a society that thankfully at least in utah before all of these things started happening with 2020 we'd slowly i feel like we've slowly cultivated more of a respect towards self-expression yes in comparison to where we were like 10 or 20 years ago and so to be able to not only have cultures that are encouraging and empowering that but also having the technological and the educational and the reference of online um, data to literally create any world that we want to like the, the problem in the past has been we were only allowed so many options we only have a dollar bill you don't have trade like well we are in a world where we can trade like we are in a world where we can actually easily network and find the people that have the skill sets that we need and trade our skill sets for them that wasn't available like it is now five ten years ago and so if we start actually utilizing these things if we take away if we walk away from the spectator mentality that's another thing that I feel has been cultivated within our society over the last 40 years specifically is that We've been we've we've become the spectators that sit back and go, okay, so who's going to create the option for me? Is it going to be a Hyundai or a Honda? Who's going to come out with a better thing? Right. Is it going to be a Mac or a Windows? Who's going to come out with the best products? Like, and and we've slowly gotten used to the idea that there's only so many options, and and we're confined to these requirements of I can work for maverick or i can work for guitar center right like and and it's like no 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 like you can go out and you can find what makes your heart sing you can find that skill set that desire that emotion that feeling that expression that creates value to your life and you have more than enough online resources you have more than enough ways to connect with your communities and the individuals around you 
and you have already have value you already have skill sets every job that we've gone through to get to this point hasn't been for nothing just like any religion or any experience like everything that we've gone through has created and cultivated the character and the abilities that we have now like I don't consider myself a carpenter but I've done a lot of carpentry and I could build something right like I'm, that's not the first thing that makes my heart sing but I have that skill set and so if me getting to the point where I can do the thing that I really want to do means figuring out how to do carpentry and landscaping for a while just to maintain bills so I don't have to go work for somebody else maybe that's worth it maybe it's worth working for somebody else long enough to get the training so that you can go and do your own thing but we have a world that has those options for the first time so do you to go off of what you said with this we become spectators do you think that has also inherently made us like less willing to do things ourselves because we're so comfortable and so used to things just coming to us yeah I think it's it, it goes all the way down to the automations in our homes yep. in my mind with the ability to I need to wash my clothes I'm gonna throw it in this thing put soap in it and push a button and they need to dry I'm gonna change it over to this and push a button I need to wash these dishes I'm gonna put them in this machine and push a button I want to watch TV I push a button when I go into my car I push a button to turn my car on now right <laughs> it's like we've created a world where there's no puzzles there's no there's nothing to interact with really like I actually I've, I've been working slowly trying to allow this concept for a song to cultivate in my head of like creating this song that where through the whole thing the the um, lexicon of the grammar makes it seem like you're in a spaceship and so you have so to like to create this like world where it's so subtle that I'm not using actual like very specific terms in order to like tell you what it really is but just through emotion be like I'm in this environment that I and it's unsafe to go outside unless I go into my machine my my other contraption that takes me to where I'm supposed to go and like and I need to go to these places to like do these things but yeah. like I need to be careful with the outside and like and and just this constant thing and then at the end of the song make it apparent that like they weren't in a spaceship they were just in their house because we've almost completely disassociated from reality in that way. Yeah, like we really don't have. like we don't touch we don't wash clothes in rivers anymore. We don't make food probably 40% of the time on average for yep. the for the average person if I were to make up a, st a statistic. <laughs> but like we have all these things that we just take for granted that we don't we've created a world where we have so much time that we literally don't know what to do with it and we feel like we don't have any time. And so we've given all of our time to other people because they told us that that's the best way to maintain the world where we just have too much time to not know what to do with. Right. And it's like, and, and so I even tried to go to the other side of that extreme. And I lived a whole year without shoes off three grand and tried just seeing what it was like to completely disassociate from all of the luxuries and all the normalities of, of Western culture. And, and I mean, not wearing shoes, I wasn't allowed into bars, I wasn't allowed into most places, most locations, and so it completely debilitated my, my ability to rely on corporations. Right. It completely debilitated my ability to rely on the lubrication of being able to walk into a store and buy a drink. Like, all of a sudden, everything that was in my back pocket was 
emergency expense. Right. And I needed to figure out how to make food, how to get food. I needed to figure out where I was going to sleep. I needed to keep myself hydrated through the day. And it became, it became a realization that really those are the main priorities of each day. So <laughs> doing that mentally, did you feel more rewarded every day? Or did it feel more strenuous to the point where you didn't feel rewarded and wondering why you're doing it? I would say that feeling went between those two every few hours. Okay. Because there would be moments where I would be so stoked that I was able to just sit at a park and just be able to just be luxurious and not have any desire, any, like... True peace. Really no cost. Like, right. Like, being analytical, like, when I started learning business, my, my brain went to, like, okay, so how much every day do I cost and how much every day am I making? Because if there's a corporate allocation per day, then there's a corporate profit margin that needs to be made per day. And if I am my own business entity as an individual that's maintaining my own house, my own car, my own phone, and my own life, then I need to think these ways right. if I want to stay on top of it and, and maintain a, a equanimity long-term. Right. And so, at the time, my cost of living was like thirteen hundred dollars a month, and so I, I equated that out and was like, "Dude, I'm making. I need to make like forty to sixty bucks a day. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is nuts, dude. Like I take a day off and I'm immediately behind. Yeah. Like I take any t personal time, I'm immediately behind. I take a sick day, I'm immediately behind. Immediately. Like I, any variable happens, and it's going to take me three months to fix my car. It's going to take me six months to do this. Like, and I'm have a and as as far as like the American dream of like one day having a picket fence dog wife and a and a couch like I'm not too far off and I'm like this is ridiculous yeah. I don't want to live in this and so the year the year without that there were moments where like the full brevity of that was completely lifted and it was like wow there's like I really don't have to worry about any of that right now like that is such a great feeling to not have to worry about any of that but then Two hours later, something extreme would happen, and I wouldn't have an ability to rest or wash clothes or anything like that. And I would end up walking around for six hours with smelly clothes or something like that. And I and I would just be as I would be I would constantly have to succumb to each moment and just do the best to kind of make it through until the next time that I could recharge and actually take advantage of some of, the right. things, some of the benefits and luxuries of reality again. So it was, so those moments were painful in the other direction of like, how do I, like, am I really okay with this? Do I really want to do this? <laughs> so I guess, I, I mean, I have a lot of questions with that because not a lot of people do take that step back and try and really, I don't even know what, I don't even know what to call it. Like, experience life for what it really is i mean life our average day if we're just a work, middle class working person or a lower middle class or lower class like it's pretty universal we go to work we get off we try and spend as much time doing things we want we go to bed we wake up and repeat until yep. we it's our weekend and that's why so many people are like dying on thursday like oh my god is it friday yet like yep. and it's sad i mean it, honestly it's sad because when you see people who are more wealthy they wake up Mondays and they're like, God damn, it's Monday. I'm pumped. Yeah. 
But then for the normal, like the average person, it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to go back to work and make that living. Yeah. So doing that, you, you said you left yourself or you did this for a year long time. Are there things that you still mentally do that you were doing during that time period? Or is it all just something that you've learned, learned from and moved on? No, because so the way that I managed that whole entire system was I actually um, found local companies and started working with nonprofits okay. and started um, leaning sometimes really heavily on community members that were at the forefront of those um, initiatives. So it was really interesting because, I mean, so for context, before all of this, I mean, I was an introvert, still am an introvert, but I, from like 18 to like 25, I worked call centers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I sat at a desk for Netflix, um, Jitterbug, um, musician, or yeah, musician's friend, countless, it. countless. I did it for Discover, so I Countless <laughs> companies. And so, like, I, I've, I came from that extreme of, seven years of waking up on Monday and just heading to work because I had to and and only living for those two days one that I could be a debauchful hedonist and the next day <laughs> to recover and then you go back to work right. <laughs> like, and so like I did that for a long time and so but the, through that whole entire process I, I didn't rely on anything other than corporations I didn't rely on anything other than what was easily accessible due to the interaction and the transaction I was doing with society. I give you eight hours of my day, five days a week, and you make it easy for me to pretty much succumb to any desire that I have. Right. If I want to choose, I can go to a Maverick. If I want a movie, I can go to a theater. If I want right. a beer, I can go to a bar. Like, And so now, after having both of those experiences, my focus is much more, I mean, also being like, I spent five years training to be a pastor in Christianity. And so like the whole idea of like self deprivation and, um, I love the ideas of monasteries. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I absolutely love the idea of like finding a place in the middle of the mountains made out of stone and just a room I could sit in and like, just be like, cool, I'm done. Like, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, like that through that whole entire thing, like that that's where I started learning the self-deprivation and, and some of the values behind fasting and and kind of pushing your body a little bit to the extreme of, of making you think that it's going like it needs to go into the sympathetic and it's it's in an emergency situation. The ability to go into those physically and, and maintain a calm composure, like I was already practicing that within the Christian co concept, and then had real life experience on back on the street again. And then since then, I've kind of tried to find an equanimity between those two of like, I'll go out and buy beer, but I'll only do it once every week to two weeks. And right. it'll last me three to four days to a week and a half. And like, I'll go out and get fast food, but I also try to work with gardens locally and try to grow as much produce as possible and try to re like, not just rely on one thing like like through the the reality of the situation is we can't live in a completely sustainable um environment locally yet like we have the system 
we live in the system. We don't live in the mountains where we can just go and pick berries and, and, and do that. Like, and so there has to be a compromise of, of interacting with the system, but also learning how to interact outside of the system. And then I think that another um, interesting strategy is working within the system to try to convert the system. So that's kind of what I'm doing now with my company is trying to um, make enough revenue that I can actually sponsor individuals that I see doing things that would greatly support soil amendments within our communities and, and getting away from desertification and, and re-cultivating the land so that way we can create our own produce, create our own food and rely on that within ourselves, but also people that want to start local companies that supply a certain option within a city that right now is a monopoly. So that's like someone that wants to create something that only Walmart's selling kind of thing and create that new option or someone who wants to anything like and, and so yeah so I think yeah I, I heard a, this is a little off subject but still goes along with the um, creating your own produce that there was a lady I believe that she was East Coast but she had this idea of going to homes renting out parts of their backyard for whatever the monetary value is growing her own produce and then either selling it back to the family they're renting it from or taking it to community centers or different things along that line and i believe that not only was she making a very heavy profit but she was feeding it was like yeah. a large number of homeless you know vets different things along those lines who were struggling in that community and now her name's you know going across the nation yeah. and just things like that are so I mean, if someone came to my house and was like, hey, could I rent out a chunk of your backyard and grow some vegetables? Yeah, you can do it for free. Yep. I don't care. Here's the, here, here's the so, door. <laughs> here's actually the thing. Um, I've been working with a, um, a group. So there's the Utah Permaculture Collective, which is a group that's been teaching of sustainable agriculture just on local levels, just in your backyard. Um, we have started something called the Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative, okay. and that is literally all we're doing. That's awesome. Is we have a huge database that we've set up, and um, you can sign up as between five different things. You can be an organizer for your city, you can be a volunteer for the gardens, you can be a donor for land, um, you can be a resource provider, and you can be a mentor for the volunteers. And so <clears throat> I think it's... Um, I'm going to have to give you all these links later. Oh, yes, just please. Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative. I, um, it's like NRISLC.com or something like that. But if you look up Neighborhood Resiliency um, Utah, right, Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative, you should be able to find it. But, um, yeah, like we've, we've been at it for about, I don't know, two weeks, a month, and um, I just moved, so I haven't been able to go to um, – be in the Zoom meetings recently, but I'm right. assuming, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're 40 gardens in by now, if not more. Awesome. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if anyone wants to get involved with that on a local level, that's that's happening right now. We're pushing that as, as intensely as we can. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's the reality that if we have monopolies and they fail, we can't, we don't have options. So we can't trust systems that only have 
two to four options. Right. Like just like with the presidential election right now, we can't trust a system that only gives us plastic or paper. <laughs> I For want real. more options than that. I want the option of being able to just grab my groceries and walk out without either. No. Like I like I want more than just what's being offered. And so if we can get to a point where on local levels we are creating as many options for each other as possible, then we don't need to worry about capitalism. We don't have to worry about fighting against each other as corporations. We can work together and, and realize, like, I don't need to be the only massage therapist with clients in Salt Lake City. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And so for me to push clients that I, that I can't help in that moment to somebody else is not me losing business. Like that's me supporting my community, me going and paying someone who teaches me yoga for an hour. I just helped them pay their rent. Yeah. I'm maintaining the economic flow within a small bubble instead of just pushing it out and allowing it to disappear. So and the more that we have that mentality, that's what the year of being shoeless, helping nonprofits, homeless <laughs> taught me was the more that we maintain the bubble within our communities the more we will thrive because we create a middle class. We create an opportunity for people to live lives where they work the hours they want to work, they have the money to do the things they want to do, and we see the innovations and the expressions and the scientific development and the economic models and the, and the societal normality that cultivates itself through that standard, through that ground level platform. Because if we don't get at the problem by the root, then it's going to come back. Yeah. And if we're only looking at defunding the police, if we're only looking at the presidential election, if we're still distracted by Hyundai and, Hi and Toyota, <laughs> then we're never going to look at the root. Right. The root was 2000 BC or 1200 BC when agriculture started and hierarchy started and the mentality of needing to control started and normality and systems and creating some symmetry and uniformity in all things that's when it all started we changed that and then we and then that creates the platform for the cultivation of a new worldview where human beings are respected plants are respected the earth is respected and the skill sets and the innovation of the general public of self-determining educated individuals becomes the normality to reality and we don't need celebrities in one city that everyone's staring at we have our own right. we don't need your musicians we have our own we don't need your medicines we're making our own we don't need your clothes like just get out <laughs> like we're good if we need something we'll go to the other city and we'll ask them like right leave us alone <laughs> <laughs> how okay so how do you go to like an individual who is let's say we use clothes for example, right? And we're like, hey man, we can create clothes for you that are, you know, gonna fit great, they're gonna feel great, they're handmade, they're quality. Mm -hmm. but they don't have that Gucci on it. Or they yeah. don't have that Prada or whatever the line is. Like, how do you pitch someone who is so stuck in the mindset of, you know, what they see on Instagram and what's popular and what's important to be like, what's the word used nowadays? The clout. Yeah. How do you talk to someone like that and really build a personal dialogue with them where they're going to be able to understand like, hey, you're just buying, you're paying a company because they 
are very good at advertising themselves. Yeah. You're not buying anything different than what I'm making. I have this, this is the same product. That might, might actually be higher quality. It just doesn't have the label. Yeah. How do you translate that into words of like meaningfulness to someone like that? I think it's the same thing as politics, religion, and marketing. Like if we rely on words, then we're relying on the previous system. I think that just the example of life, like walking into a scenario where the first thing out of your mouth isn't, hey, you want to buy my khakis, but your first interaction is honest and genuine. You actually like begin to interact with that individual. Right. And then through those interactions and through creating familiarity, the conversation starts up of, yeah, I'm trying to create more local solidarity this is my concept like I went to the whatever company and I figured out their design and where they were getting their stuff I made sure that I got better product I did it by hand I guarantee the stitching like I guarantee it's gonna be good quality long term so and and then have that person just inherently be interested like that that's the thing is like the whole idea of marketing is finding people that need the thing that you have right but it's also if we just naturally find the things that we need. Well, I, kind of, <laughs> I kind of get where you're coming to or coming from as well with the whole if it's a small community and you're in that bubble and you're able to work with each other, it doesn't even I guess I'm still in the mindset of thinking like, well, how are you going to be able to make these shirts and survive? But then it's not even about that at that point. It's about getting this shirt to that person because they need a shirt. Yeah. You know, and maybe then in return they'll give me food or whatever it might be. It'd be it'd be an awesome world to live in. Yeah. And yeah. I see the changes. Like I mean I go downtown I'm not recently, but you know, I, I spend, when I spend time downtown, everyone's a lot more personal. I don't what um do you know up by um so if you go near the cap or if you go down Capitol Road like you're heading toward like State Street, Main Street, you take a left. There's like a dog park, kind of over by a uh, bunch of Meadow Grove. Yeah, Meadow Grove. Yeah. There's so many nice people over there now. Dude, Meadow Grove's great. <laughs> There's so many nice like Meadow I Meadow Grove blows my mind every time I come. <laughs> I remember going there as a kid, and it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's a park. You go yeah. there, people, everyone's talking, everyone's having a good time, everyone's yeah, it's just. No, I've been impressed with that place every single time I've gone over the last few years. I um, think downtown, like you said earlier, too, like, have you been in Utah most of your life? Yep. You know, I, I have, too. I don't know our age differences, but um, when I was, you know, 14, 13, going downtown to the Gateway or whatever it was, like, it wasn't like what it is now. Like, it was very one-dimensional thinking. It was very not open form. There wasn't art on walls you know there wasn't people yeah. out there painting these beautiful um i guess tagging these beautiful pieces of art for people you yeah. know there wasn't music shop like like low level music shops opening up there wasn't all these food options it was like exactly what you would see on tv the same exact shops at every mall the same exact shops downtown and now we're finally getting to a point i don't know if it's the progressive influence that's coming from california or if it's truly people realize that our community wasn't as tight as they want us to believe and we're just naturally starting to want to build that community 
I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I... I don't know. But yeah, I have slowly seen that progression. That... Yeah, because I remember... Um, like, one time I was down in Portland. And uh, I was just chilling at a bar with a bunch of people. And, and this um, homeless dude who was very obviously homeless walks up. And every single person knew him by name. No. Every single person like shook his hand, gave him a hug, half of them offered him food, like, and they just started chatting. And I took out my camera and I started to take a picture. And um, one of the other locals that was sitting at the table with me pushed my camera down. And she's like, "What are you doing? Like, like that's that's inappropriate. You don't do that." And I was like, "No, like, you don't understand." That I've never seen that happen before. <laughs> like, I want to encourage people to do this. Like, I've never, like, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. That is mind-boggling to me right now. Like, I've been homeless. I've been that transient on the side of the street that people walked past. I played guitar for six hours and made twenty bucks. Like, I've played that game, and I've and like that moment just like I started crying I had to go outside and smoke like jeez man <laughs> that was a moment in history that I'm never going to forget and um, I'm beginning like especially with like the coalitions that have happened recently with the homeless with the road home shelter closing I'm beginning to slowly feel that here like slowly begin to see the evolution and the, and the cultivation of that same mentality here in Salt Lake five years ago two years ago, 10 years ago, like that, it was not as prevalent. I'm not going to say that it was non-existent, but it was right. not half as prevalent as it's been over the last while. Like I've, like we've, I mean the, the stand up at Washington park that happened with the road home, like there's, there's been community members that have been willing to put themselves on the line and put their, put their everything, everything yeah. on the line publicly. And, and try to do the best they can in these situations that we're being that we're seeing mm -hmm. and and that kind of solidarity is just like that, that I'm I'm encouraged I'm encouraged to believe that that will slowly permeate into regular life and I think that's that's all, that's the main point of the coalitions that's the main point of the initiatives that's the main point of the current protests is that when people stand up for somebody else and start advocating for them, I think that the, the underlying true desire is I want, to, I want to make you so aware of this that it changes the way you think at night. I want you to change the way you look at someone when you walk past them on the street, whether they're sleeping in a bag or whether they have different colored skin. You need to personally allow this to interact with your worldview. Right. And come to the realization that this is like this is not just a spectation that you can spectate at. This is a voice that wants to desperately be heard. And and if we give credence to that and show respect to it and, and gain familiarity with it, then we can encounter it the same way that those people in Portland did when that homeless dude walked up, with grace, with dignity, with respect, and with friendship and with a relationship. And not with guns, right. yeah. <laughs> not not with not with apathy, not with a camera, yeah. with no other action. Like we need, like we need a, we need a culture that goes beyond the the interaction at a cashier check lane. 
Like we can't play that game on a personal level anymore. It has to become real again. I think too, it's, I think for me, one thing that I've tried to actively do to better this over the past five, six years of my life, because like, you know, it's always inherently been here in Utah. You know, there's always been hate. There's always been bigotry. You know, it's just underlined. My biggest thing is just trying to learn people's names going out. I think just even that, I mean, it sounds dumb, right? But like even that small effect of like you walk past someone that culturally might be way different than you. What's your name? I'm Wes. Nice to meet you. What are you doing tonight? And not only has that allowed for me to make new friends, but it's shown me so many different perspectives, which I think is one reason why there's so much problems going on in today's day and age is people don't have vast amounts of perspectives. They just have their narrow view of what they've been doing. And does that go back to corporation that they're stuck and unable to spend the time to go and learn those perspectives? Maybe, but it's such small, easy steps, if you really think about it, that can vastly change how we interact with each other. Yeah, and for some reason, at least, and and I'm speaking completely personally now, is um, for some reason, I feel like there's a, I've been ingrained with this just negative outlook on that, like, like, I, I can't tell you how many times in public I've had anxiety attacks where I completely shut down and I'm not able to interact. I don't know what to say. Right. Like every single thing that comes to mind of what could be said in any discussion or interaction is completely just stupid and worthless. <laughs> like, and it's not worth saying. So I just sit there and don't say anything because I don't know what to say. And, right. And like, yeah, but, and, and so that's, that actually goes into an interesting thing because for me personally, that's, the only thing that I've been able to find that counteracts that is um, the idea of cultivating the moments before they happen. So, and and for me, that's become the premise of my idea of self-care, is the idea of, like, coming to this podcast today is, woke up, woke up this morning and thought, okay, so in order to be in the mindset to be able to talk the way that I want to talk and be able to think about the things that I want to be able to think about and react to the, quickly and concisively and be able to use good grammar, I need to go through this repetition that I go through each day of making this type of food in the morning and taking these supplements and doing this yoga and and eating this other types of food. And and, and to be honest, the minute I woke up, I didn't want to do any of that All (laughs) all day. I haven't wanted to do anything. And so just intentionally focusing in and going, okay, like, this is like in order to be the person that is capable of doing the things that I want to do in that moment. To, and that actually, interestingly enough, for me, really symmetrically interacts with free will and predestination in Christianity. So like Philadianism or Philadianism and um, Augustinianism or Calvinism and Arminianism. Um, the whole idea of um, does God predestined everything and that's the way that he can prophesy things is because everything's already written out and we're just players in a play thinking that we're making our own choices but every single choice was already known and that's kind of the only way that I see God being able to tell you what's going to happen in the future is if he actually knows but then Arminianism is the opposite thought of we have free will every single option that we create creates or every single 
option that's available in a moment creates a branch of possibilities. I mean, if you want to get into quantum physics, that's creating right. parallel worlds right. at that point. And there's a version of you, like in the quantum concept, it's, there's a version of you within which each one of those realities that shows one of those other options, right. and now that reality just kind of branches out. But s staying further into Orthodox Christianity, <laughs> um, we can, like, the idea is that God is kind of up in heaven and he's watching all of these branches of these tendrils of these roots of possibilities playing out and he's watching these little dots of each person going through and making those choices as they're going through those choices and he kind of has to like twist the branches as he knows that they're going to happen in order to create prophecies mm. which is kind of, I mean so not giving credence to either one of those but um, looking at it from a practical perspective of if you have, if I had not done any of those things to prepare for this, would I be able to react the way I am right now? Right. Would you have been able to even want to get up enough to come do the show? Exactly. Or, yeah. No, I get where you're going with the, you know, the comparisons that, and I, I agree with you in a sense that for me, myself, like, I try to not be routine because for some reason for me, routine freaks me out. I don't mm -hmm. know why. I feel like if I'm in too much of a routine that I'll just, my life will slowly just start becoming the same day over and over like a groundhog. Yep. But at the same time, when I'm the most productive is when I follow schedules. Yep. When I follow things and it's very, it makes sense. Yeah. So I, I want to talk, talk about the Christianity thing. You said you spent five years practicing to become a priest or yeah, a pastor, pastor yeah. sorry yeah. um i i mean we don't have to get into religion talk because i know that it's for some people it's touchy some people it's not um is it something that you stopped pursuing because of different viewpoints or is it something that I, i'm so, just curious because I, I religion for me i to give my background i i'm not religious i don't give myself a title of atheist because i'm not anti um anything you know, I, I believe people should be able to do anything they want that makes them happy. Um, but I, I wasn't raised religious, and I've never had a religious experience where I thought, like, okay, well, maybe there is something. So I love hearing perspectives that either from people who are formerly religious or currently religious that, you know, kind of has turned them into who they are today. Yeah. So I would say that, um, <clears throat> so for a full background, I was raised Mormon. Um, had a moment at 12 years old where I had a conversation with my bishop at the time and um, he walked me through Spencer W. Kimball's Miracle of Forgiveness and was like here's the five steps of becoming clean from and repenting of sin and and analytically I went home and so I, I did a test and I wrote out um, three pages with 56 lines down I remember because I was counting the lines consistently but um, three pages front and back within this binder, 56 lines, a sin per line, and then I had to write down everyone that I affected directly, and then I had to write down everyone that was affected not indirectly, so those are the first three, and then the fourth step was um, I had to atone mm -hmm. to everyone on my list. At the very least, call them and say that I was sorry. And then the fifth step was don't do it again. And so I went through this list 
uh, front and back, 56 lines down yeah. on both sides, and thought to myself, there is no practical way I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Like, every time I sin, I have to do this. Right. Like, this is the expectation of one of our prophets based on one of his books that he published. Like, you, like, okay. I'm done then. <laughs> like, and I just kind of, and like that really screwed my mentality because at that point it was like, well, God hates me because mm-hmm. I can't, I can't atone. What do I do? I'm already baptized. I'm screwed, man. Like, that's it. Game over. And so by 16, I wasn't going to church anymore. Um, 18 to 20, I went on a binge, um, a homeless binge with a lot of drugs and made a lot of stupid choices. And then 20 years old, I had this crazy moment in a jail cell and um, walked out of it and had seven felonies dropped down to three misdemeanors and walked into a church two weeks later and a pastor was up at the front talking about being born again and how your world changes and all this stuff and I was like well yeah I'm, I'm sober and I'm not withdrawing and like something changed something happened like I don't know what it was but yeah like it clicked. Let's do something about wow. it. So, but I, I immediately went straight into the doctrine. The very next day, I sat down with this kid and we went through the Bible for three hours. Like, literally, just sat down and just went through verses. And I tested every single question that I had at the time against him. And by the end of that, he had been trained well enough through through being able to give that kind of presentation that it all made sense. And it was like, cool, like, this is great. I'm going to sign up for this. Like, how could I be the most effective in this? It's like, well, I love studying. I love doctrine. I love learning things like, and then I love helping explain things in practical ways to people. So that's what that dude up there is doing. So how do I become that dude? And cause that's where I could be the most effective. Right. And so I spent the next five years in doctrine and the further into the doctrine that I got, the more I started watching the fruit of the seeds that I saw planted in the church. The first thing that started like, well, let's not go into that. I started seeing things that um, I didn't agree with. Right. And, and doctrine and, and problems in the historical records, um, things about the actual anthropology and the history of the church from Constantine through the Crusades, mm-hmm. through all these different things, and the way that we were purporting and and... Just everything, I, I found things that I didn't agree with, and I had to walk away. So, but now, whenever I talk to people about religion, I, the thing that catches me is like, I, I mean, I studied apologetics, I studied all kinds of things. Like, I read through the whole Bible seven times through in five years, and now I get stuck on Genesis 3. Like each time that I try to study, each time that I try to work on uh, within that realm of, of and that lexicon, I always end up getting stuck on Genesis three because in Genesis three, God creates Adam, and then I and and I like sometimes imagining narrative and dialogue of what's happening in that moment when I'm reading the Bible. It's helped in, internalize and personalize this, the moments more clearly, okay. thinking about it in real time and thinking about what could have like how that situation could have actually played out. So like imagining Adam standing there and then God says, all right, dude, 
like we're gonna go and we're gonna say the names of everything I just made in the last like so many days, man. Like I've been at it, bro. Let's go. <laughs> so, like they go through and and um, there's some theologians that um, will encourage the idea that the whole world was the Garden of Eden. Right. That in order to have a perfect environment for Adam and Eve within that garden, you would have to have that permeate throughout the whole ecosystem. And so the idea that the whole world was this ecotopia of just beautiful, pure, fresh, just oxygenated yeah. world with no chemicals, no toxins, no synthetics, nothing polluting. Like it, like it was just natural systems all the way through. And the idea that Adam was able to just go through and say the names of everything everything like thing like possibly things that we still haven't found under microscopes he could have been allowed an opportunity to become acquainted with and then after this whole process god sits down with him and i and once again imagining narrative i just i can see god saying okay so what was all that for that that possibly took a long time to do. <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, probably that possibly like was like multi-day backpacking trip like two week four week excursion like pacific coast trail means nothing compared to this oh, concept yeah. so at the end of the whole process i can imagine god sitting down and saying what did we learn and adam goes the names of everything right <laughs> and god goes yes and what is a name what is my name to you an opportunity for friendship an opportunity for an acquaintance what is someone else's name to you an opportunity for a familiarity an opportunity for a relationship an opportunity for time investment and so now you know the names now you can cultivate that that's your job Adam you cultivate that you cultivate those names you cultivate the relationships you cultivate experience not just interactions experience right. not 10 seconds not 10 minutes not 15 minutes you can actually interact and live and experience and be with this creation this is your purpose this is why I created you this is why I created all of it and then Eve steps into the story and then the snake steps into the story and then the apple steps into the story but before any of that drama in the in the biblical narrative begins there's a moment that I get stuck at every time I open the Bible and I try to read anything and I look at that verse and I think that like this should be the first thing we talk about this should be the first thing that is encouraged within Christianity especially now where we have a virus that was I mean we could argue engineered by mother nature right given the perfect petri dish of an opportunity to create and cultivate this virus nature created it and now we as a whole entire world are interacting with this and so to me that's nature calling out and saying i need you to pay attention i need you to learn my name again i need you to learn your anatomy i need you to learn nutrition i need you to learn ecology i need you to get back to the roots of soil and learn what good healthy soil means and if you're not going to do that, then I'm going to get your attention. 
It's the same thing with George Floyd. We need justice. We need equality. We need equal, equal punishment for action, both for the police and for general civilians. If someone does something, they should be treated the same in that situation as someone else who does that same action who is not directly of the same descendants, that is not directly, like, like, even though there's variables between these two, if these two people are doing the same thing, they need to be treated the same way if they're breaking the law. First, and then second, if a cop oversteps bounds, that needs to be addressed yes. immediately. And so it's the same thing with nature, it's the same thing with the protests, it's the same thing with each other in, in our interactions on an, on an individual level. It's the constant cry of, look at me, I'm not just the cashier, I'm not just the plumber, I'm not just the store clerk, I'm not just behind the counter, I'm a human being. I have emotion, I, I, am, I am reactionary to my rea environments. The earth is screaming this out. Like people of diversity are screaming this out. And I feel like everyone in, in a way has had an opportunity to feel it through the last quarantine of yeah. knowing what it's like to want to, to desperately need to be expressive and have someone there to do it with. And so if we, if we start interacting with all levels of reality on that le on with that mentality to me it's it's animism the the basis of my platform for my own personal worldview is the concept that every single level of this reality has a level of because it interacts with reality has a level of consciousness so my pancreas could feel a certain way and if I'm aware of what my pancreas feels like, I can tell if it's starting to feel a certain way. I don't have to wait for the symptoms. I can know what health feels like on a more vital level and valued level than just driving around a car or a body that's just waiting to break down. Right. Like, and, and so if the pancreas gets angry enough, the whole system's aware of it. But the pancreas might have been quite aware of itself long before the rest of the system was aware. And so if you treat that as its own conscious thing that you can connect with and interact with, like, and then you look at the same thing with a plant and be like, you actually grow. Like, yeah. you, you're determined by the things in your soil and the air and the water and the heat that you get. Like, this is, like, and talk about, like, sheep and, and like, in, like, the whole concept of sheep is, is someone who's completely... Can, is has to succumb to the environment right. like they don't have a way to defend themselves like if a sheep is defenseless what is a tomato plant like it can't even move so if we're not cold, like if we don't even take the time to try to like interact with that and figure out what it actually needs to grow well I mean that is the most defenseless of all creation that that I've been able to find that exhibits the most beauty when you actually take the time to cultivate it. All right. Yeah. I'd say that whole thing was so well put. I mean, it really. I just. <laughs> it's emotional to like. Hear someone talk who actually. Isn't talking from. Something to benefit. Yeah. You know, you're literally just saying what needs to be heard. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, is at the end of the day, whether everything burns in a lake of fire, like the Bible talks about, or as we, we had the washing with the flood, now we have the burning, no. or if we go into a sustainable ecological system that maintains our world, like we really have two options. We either burn it all down and allow it all to pollute and just become completely worthless, or we revitalize it, regenerate it, and become a garden again. But the great thing about both of those realities is that in either one, there's no desk with a plaque. No one in the end will take credit. No one in the end will be able to take full credit. Like, both of those are culminations of so many actions done by so many individuals that not one person will ever be able to then, like, say at the end that they sat on the top of the statue and, like, were, was revered. And so, wanting, like, like self, it, like, there's no need for self at that point to a degree. Like, like, the, the whole idea, like, the whole idea of a company is to get you to believe their mission, right? Right. The whole idea of a religion is to believe the mission, right? <clears throat> if you have your own mission, then you can get out of the way. Like, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> like, and if the mission isn't yourself, and like, and the mission is just to create something that you see as value like that's what missionaries do that's what people who go around door-to-door -door sales mm -hmm. that's what all the companies have been doing that's what all these people have, like that's that's the whole marketing agenda is like go out and share the worldview because the more people that believe our worldview the more people that will act accordingly to that so teach people that they need apex teach people they need vivid teach people they need christ teach people they need buddha create the codependency let's continue this process right but to actually sit down and be like do it yourself. Learn how to do it yourself. Empower yourself. Level up in reality. Figure out how to make your reality better. Like, how does your psychology associate with your nutrition? How does your lifestyle associate with your mental psyche? How does, like, what is the congruencies of your reality that are tangible? How do they interact with each other? How do they intertwine? How do you benefit that system? What needs to go? What needs to be added in? Like the amount, if we just, the simplest way to say it is if we take the mentality away from I need to help a corporation make a lot more money off of what I do for them than they're going to give me to the idea of how much could I support myself long term by creating the infrastructure for myself that that company capitalized on and then fired me because I finished the job and I made whatever they needed made to capitalize on that situation. I was a cog in the machine. What if I created my own machine? I know what the machines look like from the inside because I've worked for them. So let's create it for myself. Yes, initially you'll put in 80 hours a week sure, and you won't make any money. But that's the problem. But that's the thing is like that company, the CEO of that company put in those 80 hours a week until he was able to employ you. Yeah. And so the long-term investment of like, and that's what I'm saying with the compromise of, of living within the current system is like, you can't just jump straight into it. Take the slow approach if you need to. Like if you can and you have the balls to, I encourage it. But like, if you, like, it's okay to figure out how to make a product that is valuable to your community and work for 
Amazon on right. the side and then get to the point where you're making enough income here that you can tell them you need to go part-time but guess what now you've actually got some some traction here so if they go well the only way you're valuable is if you're full-time we have to fire you if you want to go part-time then you can go fine and now you're at least here yeah like you're not at the bottom you can at least like have a platform to begin growing from so cultivate it like a plant like cultivate yourself like a plant cultivate skill sets like plants and like and start watching the slow growth and it's not just based on the green that you see from the top it's based on the root structure that's maintaining your soil or your platform on which you're working on and yeah and and the sturdiness of how far you can go long term like don't just worry about how good you look on facebook grow true interactions and true relationships with people that are within your close circle and build clientele and build your rapport and build a reference point within the community of an right. option so and i think too like going along with this that the reason why we don't see it as often like i'm it happens a lot like people do self-employ and you know create their own machine as you put it I think why a lot of people fail is the mindset that is told to us nowadays. Everything's instant. Like we were talking about earlier, like you push your car now, like you take the washing machine to the dryer, like everything is just instant. So I think people are just so used to instant that when they try and sit down and like, okay, well, how do I start my car washing business? Yeah. Okay. Well, step one is, well, I got to allocate some time. Okay. Well, that's going to be hard. Okay, well now I have to sacrifice my weekends. Do I want to do that? And I, I feel like when people aren't getting that immediate satisfaction, they give up too easy. Because like, for example, I'll use this podcast as, as a prime example. Like, you know, I've been doing it for two and a half years. I had a co-host at the start. Um, there's been a lot of times where I'm like, I look at numbers. I think everyone does it who's in, who's trying to reach an audience or trying to help people like, it's like, man, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I, am I wasting my time, or am I, you know, is this really gonna pan out for me? Yeah. But then something like today, talking with you, or last night I streamed playing a game at like nine o'clock at night. And there was these two individuals who came in and watched. They were fucking awesome. They were like some of the nicest people. They were sitting there like complimenting me and you know saying, oh yeah, the game's cool, like all this type of stuff. And it's just like little interactions with that. And I think people skip over the small things in life yep. like when you're building something let's you know and you have a day where you're it's just a shitty day it's a hard day it's rough you worked 10 hours now you have to come home and work 10 more on your craft and then you know where in that shitty day was the small thing that was fucking awesome and i think people skip over that and when they skip over that too many times they don't feel like they're getting that that satisfaction and that gratification of like accomplishing a goal because the small things don't matter to them. Yeah. I'm a that, that's one of the things that I've tried to really change in my life is because when I was younger, I always felt like, oh, I need the big thing. I need the, I need like the success. I need the, I need to see the this thing or that thing. But then I would realize like, I, it kicked. It, it's a weird thing. It kicked on me like one day. I have this friend named Clinton who I don't talk about on here a lot, but. He's one of the greatest people that's ever affected my life and changed my perspective on things. And we used to work at Domino's Pizza together, just like a silly job. And uh, do you know Bountiful at all? Yeah. So 
Domino's used to be a Dick's Market yep. up on Orchard Drive. And one night we were kind of, we were super busy. He went over and got drinks, and he came back, and uh, he's like, "They're kind of warm though." I'm like, "Oh, it's okay." And he's like, "I'll be back." He comes, he goes and grabs some ice, and he comes back and he puts ice in a drink. And he's like, "It's the small things in life that matter, like ice in your drink." And I sat there for a second. I'm like, oh, "Whatever." I took a drink. I'm like, "That was really good." Yeah. And that was the highlight of the night. And I remember that over like the five years that I worked there. Yeah. And you know, and I think people. If you're listening to this, I think that if you sit back and if you're having such a bad day and you really think about what's going on, there's that small thing there that you can really take away and be like, you know what? Today really wasn't that bad. Yeah. I I mean I've I've really enjoyed studying worldviews and, and philosophies and stuff like that. And so um, the holographic universe idea mm-hmm. that everything's just chips like creating <laughs> right. holograms and shit, like that's a fun Thing to play with but when i was playing around with that mentality i was like well if it's all just like an automated video game kind of thing like that means there's like golden eggs right like what if there's a golden egg per day what if like i just need to find the golden egg that day like and just like be aware enough to like catch that moment that makes the day worthwhile and so i start like i kind of like tricked myself into looking for that each day of like through the day I'd be like I haven't had my golden egg yet universe (laughs) I'm waiting for that where you at and then like all of a sudden there'd be an amazing sunset and I'd be like there it is like that that's it or like junk like sitting outside and a huge butterfly flies by or like a huge bird flies by or like something like something like that happens and it's just and and honestly the golden eggs that I've had recently is it's always nature yeah like I go outside and I see something real crazy like squirrels doing something or it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. And I I wonder if I, I'm I agree with you. Like a couple mornings ago I was driving to work and you know, I was pissed not not pissed off. I'm like, oh another day of doing work I don't want to do. I wish I could stay home and work on what I want to work and whatever. And I pulled up to the parking lot and I was sitting in my car and I'm like, Ugh. and I look over and like the sun wasn't quite coming up yet, but it had turned the sky like this purple pink. And I sat in my car and I just looked at it for like, I was late to work. I showed up five minutes late to our morning meeting or whatever. And like, why are you late? And I'm like, I was out in my car, lost track of time, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> like, I didn't was, sleep much last night. <laughs> I, it was just, just, it was, don't worry about it. But the gold make thing I think is true. Like you could have as bad of a day as you want, but there's always something that can change it. There's always, even if it's something dumb, like a sunrise or a sunset or, you know, I think people take for granted how beautiful just visually looking at something is. Not only like finding an awesome person or, you know, reading a piece of literature that changes your whole entire life or listening to a song that you all of a sudden listen to 45 times that day and you're like, I can't even comprehend everything this song's trying to say. Like, I think that that really, for me, is self-help. And has really progressed me to become not only more aware of like what I want in life, but to give me a form of satisfaction in a world where if you aren't going out to find it, it's kind of hard to get. And I think that trying to spread that message to people seems easy, but I just don't know. I don't know how to tell someone like, hey, take five minutes of your day, go outside, go for a walk. The way that I articulate it is um, you have dirt magic and you have McDonald's magic. 
Okay. So McDonald's, if I'm hungry, I could go over to McDonald's and in three minutes have a McDouble in my hand, right? Right. If I'm hungry and I just have dirt and seeds, in order to get something to grow out of the ground, it could take two weeks, it could take two months, it could take three years with some plants. Right. And so like you like you were saying before we started the podcast of like or maybe during but um the difference between buying produce from a store and by and actually eating the produce that you grew and took out of the ground and, and ate for yourself like there there's a huge difference between those two and yeah. then and it goes directly into the immediate gratification thing of like I mean, that's been the hedonistic tendency that we've been taught as a society is that if it's not immediate, then I need to find a faster option. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, and that, and, and everything is paramount that I can maintain a fast schedule because I need to get back to work. Right. And so, like, having that mentality of like, and, and allowing that to permeate into regular life, and, and like, your question of like, how do people create the mentality to become the business owners that can slowly grow a business and, and grassroot it long term. To me, that's that's a good first practice is like through your day, ask the question like when you when you're when you have a dish full of like a full of sinks or a sink full of dishes <laughs> and um, and you have an option of do I put all of these in the dishwasher or I do it by hand. To me it's like, well, one's McDonald's happens quick it's real easy I can just jump straight back into the other thing that I do the other thing is dirt no like it's meditative it's deliberate it takes time you know, I'm gonna have to siphon and allocate through the rest of my day so that I can actually do this I need to consider the amount of energy that I'm gonna be putting into this like well washing dishes but like going out and landscaping or yeah. doing or doing a, higher, a bigger project or like even different forms of self-care for me I think about it as do I have the energetic investment to do this and then be accountable for the rest of my day? Like, can I do a hardcore workout for 45 minutes and still show up for the thing I'm going to show up for two, hour, two hours from now? Right. And so that slow dirt magic teaches the idea of allocating overall investment, not just financially but time like one of my favorite verses in the bible that i still think about a lot um is the verse that talks about the um the man that starts building the tower in the middle of the city and then he gets halfway through the tower and he realizes he doesn't have any more money he doesn't have any more resources and he can't finish his tower and now this thing that was meant to be this grand form of like expression right is now half finished and is in direct view of everyone and they all can see that he wasn't even able to finish the one thing that he was trying to do and so thinking about it from that perspective of like cultivate a, like slowly starting to cultivate the mentality of, of understanding investment and, and taking in a full account of that investment right. and for me the small practices through my day have um, turned into sitting down and like deciding do I want to write a C I want to write a CD I want to I want to write some songs and come out with a thematic theme album and instead of just sitting down and being like okay I'm going to write the first song right now like because I feel it, I, da, 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 and all that stuff I'll sit down and I'll actually go 
okay, so what's the overall general theme? What am I going to do here? Like create a story plot for the whole entire concept beforehand and then sit down and actually look at it and go, okay, that's going to be like three months worth of stuff. I'm going to have to contact four people and, and get them to collaborate because I can't do the things that they can do. I'm going to have to do like all of these other processes. Is Here's the possible economic cost that this could turn into. Here's the full-time investment cost that I'm looking at. And then a lot of my projects at that point, I'll keep all of that data and I'll just file it and go, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. And so I'm not even going to start it. Like even though I've got all the lyrics going through my head and I could write all the chords out right now, like I'm not even going to touch it until it's time. <laughs> and it's difficult. It's really, really difficult, but it, it helps it helps me strategize per day because that's the other side of um, independent um, entrepreneurship that I found is that the biggest fear is building up enough um, traction to be stable, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do when you have so much traction that you're overwhelmed? When, when do you start, like, how, like, you think it's difficult finding clientele, it's even harder to say no to them once you have them, <laughs> because you just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. And so, like, for a week, I, I'll sit down and go, okay, I can do this many massages. I can do this many videos. I can do this much time journalism. I can do this much time researching distillation and figuring out how to make oils and stuff. I, like, and I'll, I'll allocate through and be like, okay, this is my bandwidth. And once I hit my bandwidth, I start telling people no. And I start scheduling for the next week. <laughs> like, right. And it's I mean, extremely helpful to be able to really sit down and, and, and be like, okay, like, if I'm going to do this much this day, I'm going to need four hours this day to recuperate from that. And so I can't schedule. Like, once I get booked, i got to stretch it. It's so interesting hearing you explain that because of even what you said earlier, like, you're, you know, a lot of you were talking about your pancreas and you're able to, your whole body, you kind of, it seems like you know it more than I think an average person knows their body and being able to know like, okay, well, if I do four massages today, I'm going to need time to recover. And I, I wish that I could get to a point like that because that, that's the biggest problem that I have is I don't say no to projects or time because I think like, oh, I'll just fit it in. And yeah. then I end up half-assing. Yeah. You know, either I'm tired or exhausted or, you know, I'm double booked or I did this thing or that thing or this thing or that thing. And I'm like, then at the end I feel shitty because I may have, you know, not burnt a bridge, but maybe I weakened a bridge with someone that I wish I wouldn't have. Exactly. And I think that that is, was that something that clicked in your mind that it's just that you need to really be realistic with your time or is it more along the lines of trial and error, trial and error? Well, so that's the thing is like, seven years of sitting behind a computer making money for corporations like and then jumping from that reality into a world where I was just neat like barefoot with three grand like I went from wishing that I had community around me and wishing I had people around me and wishing that I had things to do to being offered three to four projects a day because I was wasn't charging anything <laughs> right <laughs> like, and so like that I went to the other extreme of, of exactly what you're talking about I would I would just fit in 15 things in one day and then I'd fit in 15 things for the next day 
and I would get a seven hour window for sleep and I'd wake up completely exhausted and overwhelmed and, and just angry. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, I'd yeah. go through the rest of the day and, and like everything could have been a lot better had I actually like given myself enough breathing room. But, but in a weird way, I think that for me, it was that, it was that presupposition of lack the idea that not just economic like like that that's instilled i think economically through minimum paying wage jobs but it had also permeated into social life for me of like i'm i'm always alone the people that i'm interacting with are just people that sit next to me at the call center like i don't actually have any real interactions i don't really have anyone who really cares and so walking into a world where all of a sudden a lot of people wanted my time and wanted me around because I was willing to put in effort and put in time like I I was almost like and in a weird way the deprivation came in as well where it was like if I deprive myself by always taking advantage of the opportunities then I'll always be part of the group and I'll be in the community and I'll, I'll be able to hang out and I'll be cool and I'll, I'll be invited and I'll be part of the whole entire thing. But if I, and, and I saw this in Christianity too, if I take a break and I don't come for a little while, like I might not be invited next time. If I don't help this person, then they might not want to be my friend. Like if, if I don't do these things, then I'm not going to get the conditional responses that I expect because there is no such thing as unconditional love. Right. Like, I have to be good enough to receive. And so if I don't sacrifice, then I won't be worthy of the recipients of whatever I've done. And so I went to the extreme of just pushing myself as hard as I could every day, like harder than I ever done for any corporation. And, and I wanted to make that a point of, I'm gonna work harder for free with the mentality that I'm on a job right now than I ever did for anyone making money. And I'm going to teach myself that and I'm going to instill that within myself through this experience. And so, but then by the end of it, I was left with the realization that I, like, I had completely gone into the masculine mentality of analytics, strategy, move as quick as you can, get as much done and just rock as hard as you can and completely walked away from all femininity of of self-care, right. self-worth, self-value, self-determination, um, being self-conscious, all these different things. I was literally distracting myself through all of that and ignoring everything that was going on. And so when I came to that realization, I was like, okay, so I need to figure out what the body actually needs. And that's when I went into massage school. And that's when I started studying anatomy and started going into all those things. And that's slowly evolved in, into, you know, I was doing agriculture and permaculture before but it's really broadened the perspective of ecology the more that I've interacted with anatomy even with clients today so so how did you f I, it sounds really weird but like I feel like we're having a podcast of people but you're giving information that I need so bad right now in my life and I think that's just I think everyone could use this information yeah how did you how did you find that balance of staying that masculine like still push for things and still want to achieve you know success 
that you feel is worthy. I mean, because success is so many different things. Success isn't money. Success isn't power. Success isn't strength. Success is subjective, yeah. you know, to the person. But at the same same time, like having that other side of it, where you are self aware, you're self conscious, you're not self conscious, you're conscious. You know, you're you're doing those things. Like that's where, in my personal life, and I'm sure a lot of people's, like I struggle with those balance because I feel like I can't do both well enough i have to either sacrifice one or the other and i don't know maybe that's what i have to do so as far as like self determination and and being self-motivated um a moment comes to mind of uh i think it was like six months into um i quit netflix Mm -hmm. and decided to go as a self-independent contractor within the audiovisual community and it was about six months into that decision and um, I was really not doing well because I had no rapport. I, I knew that I knew the anatomy of the systems and the, and the signal flow, especially of audio, but I didn't know any vernacular because I was self-taught. I didn't know how to speak within that industry and actually express what I actually knew how to do. And so, and, and all the jobs that I could get was just man, like grunt work trust deck playing that game and so and i've got a bad back i'm not like i've not never really been in the best physical condition during this life but um so it was really trying to go and work 8 10 12 hours working extreme manual labor and then have to turn around and do it again and still only being paid like 15 20 dollars an hour it's like, dude, like I, w- I was sitting at a desk comfortably at Netflix. Why am I doing this? This is stupid. Right. And so after about six months of that, I remember specifically in my car, I was at a red light and I checked an email and um, I, I was on Craigslist constantly every single day, just finding different companies. I had all these, like I had this technique where you can't actually talk to the company on site but if someone is a representative of a company on site, I would just write down the name of the company <laughs> on their car, on their thing. I would just make a note in my phone, and then I'd go home and find them online and throw them a resume. Yeah. You know, like I didn't poach you on site, like, but I know that you're here now, so I want to work with you. Right. <laughs> and so, I had like four or five emails from Craigslist and from companies that I was going for, and all of them were saying no. Every single one of them were like, "Yeah, we like we're just not interested." And I had no jobs lined up. And I was already in extreme pain and I didn't know what I was doing. I remember sitting at that light and going, you know what? I don't even care. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to go home. I'm going to buy McDonald's. I'm going to veg out. I'll go find a job in three days. Like, I'm done with this. This is stupid. I can't do this. This is way too hard. This is just ridiculous. Like, the, the amount of time it's going to take for me to even get enough rapport behind my name to actually work within this industry and do the things that I know how to do. It's going to take years. I don't want to do that. This is dumb. I'm just going to go get a call center job again. And I remember sitting there and thinking, if I do the same thing and expect different results, it's insanity. I can't do that. And so if I'm, am I really willing to go back? Like, count the real cost here. How high is that tower? Do you really want to make that decision? How difficult is it to get back on Craigslist right now and try again? This is not a problem, this is a puzzle, this is a step. It's difficult, 
It's strenuous. It will pass. What are you going to do with it, though? Right. Are you going to step up and do it? You're six months in. Is it worth it? Or is it worth it to sit at a desk again? Right. And what do you really want to do right now? And I got back on Craigslist, and I kept on looking, and I kept on pushing, and I like every single day. And was it perfect? No. At some at one point, I spent two months building mobile housing because I just could not find any contracts, and so I went back to a full time job for a period of time. So, yeah, it's just it's so as far as like <clears throat> pushing yourself in that way. Um, but balancing it with the feminine, I mean, that's that's what I'm still learning now is, is, and I think that the most empowering thing within that realm for me has been beginning to understand what things do. Like what a tomato does inside of you, what an apple does inside of you, what the chemical compounds and what the nutritional response. And like, and, and just figuring out basic things like fruit, activates your digestion so for someone who has problems eating because of stresses and anxiety like I do I try to make a shake in the morning with fruit mm. with protein so that way I can get protein in my system I've got some supplements that I'll take like fish oil and I activate my digestion I know that that's true that happens like that is a real thing that happens and so by the end of the day like today I'm hungry now, <laughs> which is exactly the response I expected from that equation. Yeah. So learning what the variables do and then know, and then internalizing that so that when you go, I have, my gums are bleeding. I, I smoke cigarettes and so my gums will bleed. I'll gurgle salt water. It closes the gums. It stops the bleeding. And then I'll do oil for or coconut oil to pull the oil or to like do oil pulling like right. and like knowing how to react to stimuli like and being educated and empowered to know how what those reactions are going to do. If you know CPR, you can save someone's life. If you know what coffee does in your system, you can use it correctly. Right. If you know what alcohol does to your system, you can use it correctly. If you understand the purposes and the intentions of these things that we're ingesting or that we're doing daily or activities that we're putting our bodies through in the way that it's affecting us long term if we are aware of those things and if we have the schema in our neural pathways in the frontal lobe to build enough habits to habituate those things and create healthy habits then we become the self-determining adults that can stand up and say that we don't need to be policed as hard. We don't need to be so codependent on the systems. We can be self-reliant, we can be self-valued, and we can find something in life that means more to us than the current system that we're enveloped in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't <laughs> even know how to respond to you because it, it, it's so, it's so mind-boggling to me because you don't if you don't go out and search for this type of information you're never going to hear it yeah you're never going to hear it because corporations don't want you to hear it exactly you know it's like not marketable you know government doesn't want to like, hear it have it's not marketable it. to get on someone's media feed and, and say hey you could do it yourself you know like yeah stop relying on everybody else stop waiting for options stop spectating like learn what these things are 
take the time. You have the resources. And that's the thing that blows my mind is that we don't know how long these resources are going to be available. Right. Like, um, I don't know if you were affected, but um, it was uh, two or three nights ago. Um, there's a rumor that there was an AWS server that started um, glitching out all the streaming services. Oh, yeah, yeah. Monday. Monday, because I was helping out with the stream for um, the Michael the Mayor campaign. My friend's running for county mayor, oh, awesome. michaelthemayor.com. Um, and we were trying to push through the stream the same way that you were just doing, and it wouldn't it wouldn't go. And so mm -hmm. we just we were able to push through Facebook Live. But, um, yeah, I heard even Netflix was affected by that, that they weren't wow. able to stream for a period of time. So, I mean, that's the thing is that counting full cost there's so many variables in the world right now the amount of resource that even youtube is right now we don't know how long that's going to last yeah. we don't have control of that domain we don't have control of those platforms facebook twitch all these things like we don't know how long we can get this how long the ability to get this information out is going to be allowed to us right like especially after covid man like we have no clue what's going <laughs> yeah we really don't we, no I mean, clue they could shut so not only that yeah. but they could shut everything down if they wanted to yeah. that that's this that's the thing that scares me the most is if there came to a point where it really was like hey we're taking control speaking like the government point of view yeah we're taking control What's the first things they're going to get rid of? Like, man? They're going to get rid of the things that allow for you and I to sit down and talk about how there's other options. Yep. They don't want that out there. Yep. I'm not, I, you know, I hope to everything that is out there in the world that that doesn't ever come to, you know, to be. I hope it doesn't get to that boiling point. But at the same time, we don't know. We don't know. We have no clue. You know, I mean, that goes back to kind of what you're saying. Like, if everything is predestined or it isn't you know i guess i don't really really know where i'm going with this but at the end of the day like we could walk outside and there everything could just end yeah. we don't know yeah. and we take so many things for granted yeah. the fact that the sun will rise yeah the fact that water will hydrate us <laughs> yeah, we're the lucky the air allows us to breathe like there are so many variables that every single day we just like oh yeah that just happens and it's like bro like you realize we're on a rock that's flying like 700 <laughs> kilometers, like a second or something like that. If I if I remember that correctly, yeah. But like, like we don't even know where the Earth is, like where where the where, sun is headed. No, like the sun is flying. Like we don't know where anything's going. And really. then we have to really <laughs> rely on this invisible thing called gravity. Exactly. From us not flying up. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It is weird when you sit back and think. Sorry, I'm gonna mute that. I don't know who's. Trying to bother me right now, but it's not important. Um, yeah, I mean, we take for granted sunrise and everything, but at the same time, like, I think we take for granted people. Yeah. I really do. And I think that, I don't know, there's not awesome people like we were talking about when you first came in. There's not awesome people, but there are really some great human beings out there trying their best to allow for everyone to just be happy and i yeah. just it sucks that we still don't live in a an environment where that's pushed but something that isn't important like i don't i don't want to shit talk anybody or anything they're doing but you know something that is 
dumb as a Prada bag will be millions of views on Instagram or something. Yeah. But someone giving advice on how to live life will get two people. But as long as those two people yeah. infected them. And that's the thing is like that to me that's the gra- grassroots idea of just like what is the true value? Is it is it the interaction that you're going to have like those two guys that you were gaming with? Or is it the ability to hit a huge mass amount of people at once? Right. So, and that's the thing is like, to me, community, I, I see com- community as a threefold purpose, right? Okay. And being an introvert and an analytic, I've kind of had to like think through these things to justify like even continuing to interact with people. <laughs> but um, with community, I see three things different things happen we we unlock things for each other throughout interactions like this we unlock the schema of past experiences and past um, research and past education that we've had and are able to express it easily and and quickly whereas a lot of the things that both of us have expressed took us hours to accumulate that schema and accumulate that knowledge to be able to express it so I think it's it it's it unlocks the the schema that is valuable because we're able to interact on that level and, and constantly re-reference those things neurologically. Um, the second thing is um, we allow people to sing. We find ways to like, or we find we we create opportunity to for people to learn how to sing and. Um, when I say that, I mean like a heart song of like not just vocally singing, but right. being able to actually express themselves and express the ideas and the desires and the passions and the commitments that create who they are, right? And so, like one of my friends, um, when when we were when he was kind of explaining this idea to me, was like when I for him he's a, he loves legislation, so he'll go up and he'll like go and lobby and then like help organize and do a bunch of stuff like that and he was like right like when i do that that's my heart song like you're listening like you're listening to my heart song when you when you see me acting in that way because that's the environment that i sing in and so like you sing music with the guitar but other people sing music with their food that they produce and 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 cultivate and create and then process and then offer as a meal to someone like some first one person that could be their heart song and what brings immense joy and pleasure into their lives right. and so the thing with that is that communities help cultivate the people like plants and allow them to bloom and have their heart songs expressed and then the third thing is experiencing each other's heart songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, honestly like so like the personal conversations that unlock the experience the the experiences that we can then verbalize and, and share our stories the heart songs that we develop and and project and then the ability to experience and allow those things that people are doing to revolutionize our worldview and allow it to become more inclusive of of the self-expression of individuals right and that's it, I, I think that's my passion and I don't I've never talked about it because I don't know I've never heard it worded like that 
But what I love is I love hearing people talk about their passions because yep. it just it gives me immense joy knowing that there's another human across from me who has a passion in something that I might not even know the first word in it or even know I don't even I haven't even dipped my toe in it, but I get insight on it. It gives me knowledge, but then it gives the other person time and ability to tell others. And I don't have a huge following. I don't have a a big platform but one day how awesome would it be to have all these friends that I now have made through this you know have the ability to have hundreds you know hundreds of people watch these and be like and maybe like one person gets affected by something they say that's like to me that's rewarding for like that will make me happy that really will but then for the guest who comes on and who spread you know their heart song as you put it and other people hear it and like, oh my God, that's, I agree. Yep. That, that, I feel like that'd be rewarding for the person who comes on. And that's all that I wanted to do with this. And I've never heard it expressed as like a heart song, but that really is what it is. It's like, yeah. if we interact with each other's passions, I think that's what builds the connections. Yeah. Like what I was saying, like you go and meet someone, say hi to them. And what is it that makes that person tick? Because yep. everyone has something. Yep. Everyone's got something. Everyone's got something. If you can find the right key for that door, and you just say it the right way at the right time, you can just get someone to start rambling for hours. I love it. I love it when people ramble. You can see because that's when the real stuff comes out. Like when they stop talking, thinking about what they're saying, and they just allow things to start coming out. You're like, oh yeah. And you can (laughs) you can physically see it too. Because like you know you can see the joy, the happiness, the passion all coming out because it's just. It, it, it's it's expression. It's it's awesome to interact with because it's you don't find that a lot in day to day life. You really don't. Like you know, for example, I work with a lot of pretty awesome people, but I couldn't tell you half of their passions because we're just more focused on making our money, sadly. But if we have that community and we have that, you know, those small interactions and you know. I, I want to help is what I'm saying. How yeah. do how do I, as someone who isn't involved in my community, I'm really not. As, as besides this, which I don't know if this counts, I have my own community of people. But if I, how does someone take a step in a local community? How does someone who wants to be involved take a step? I mean, it's cause well, it's scary to me because you know. Yeah, I think I think the first thing is just. Just like anyone who wants to take a step out into a new business or a new religion or a new group of any kind, it's just you find what's available and and you find someone that aligns. You find, like, I mean, you could go out and just try to start your own thing like you're doing (laughs) or go out and um, find someone who's already pushing. So, I mean, and there's plenty of people. I, I mean, you've got Heal Utah. You've got Sierra Club. You've got... Countless, no, oh, yeah, countless tons, groups tons. like more more nonprofits in this city than I mean we could have a reference guide to, <laughs> and every single one of them could use help. Right. And every single one of them, if you show up and say I want to volunteer, we'll find something for you to do. And while you're doing that thing, you can interact with the other people in that room, right? And you don't have to worry about money because you're not there for the money anymore. And then you can just start interacting with people. And these are people that at least have 
similarity enough that they're in the same room at that time, right. which means that there's a platform for the beginning of your discussion. <laughs> like, why are you at Utah today? I'm here because I'm an introvert and was tired of Netflix in my room and my dog <laughs> was annoying me. So like, I came here to talk to you. Like, why are you here? <laughs> so, yeah. I do think nonprofit also creates that I mean, the stuff that I have been involved with that are nonprofit or charitable, you don't ever run into the type of person that is toxic. Very rarely, at least in my experiences. It's, it might be there. I might be wrong. but Well, that's the thing is that people are still looking for the quack on the table at the end. Mm. Like I, can, I can honestly say like that's, that's become my litmus test for who I can invest time with. That's that's kind of the first litmus test is who's getting the credit. Like where is where is the end of the energy? Who's getting the end of the energy? Mm. Like where is it stockpiling? Where is where's the bottlenecks? Like whether it's financial or um, communal or social reputation. or networking, reputation, any of those different variables, it's like what is what is the true intention behind the actions <clears throat> that I'm witnessing? And what are the fruits of those seeds? And I take that within, I mean, I, I use that as my platform for all things, politics, religion, everything. Every time that I meet someone, that is my, that, that is the first litmus test is where, like, what does this model look like for you as an individual? Right. So, and I, I mean, within nonprofits, there's, I've seen plenty of, in fighting with patriarchy and, and hierarchy and trying to figure out ways to create a system that has different like staggering effects to it and so yeah I mean no, no one's exempt no. like it's it's a very ingrained philosophy that's that we've been constantly reaffirmed in from a societal standpoint for a very long time so it's going to take a really long time or it could take a short time, but I mean, it's going to be a process to get to that point where we can actually delineate from self and <clears throat> start looking at the health of the communal as the main target and the main priority and the main mission to push for. Right. And during that process, people are going to slowly learn that mentality. And some people might never get it and they might burn enough bridges that they end up walking out of all the communities and that's completely their prerogative right, right. that is their choice and but as long to me it's as long as opportunity for development and growth are there like if we have the options there and we're not worried about our profit margin we're not worried about our our like bottom line or any of this other bullcrap and we allow things to just go or grow organically, it's really okay for people to make the choice to walk away. And sometimes that is the best thing for someone for a period of time until they can come back. And I mean, do the same thing with like a relationship between two individuals. If, if something is toxic within that relationship, my personal opinion, time is the best thing you can do. Right. Like take six months off, take a month off, for some people, take six hours off, right. like, and just see what it feels like on, at the end of that, at the end of that thing, and then like with time and with patience and with 
maturity, the situation can change. Nothing's right. permanent, so don't create permanence by constantly giving energy to something that's toxic. Very well put. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also think in a weird way, comfortability creates toxicity. Yes. I think that if you become too comfortable in something, you get bored. And I think that with boredom can rise toxic behaviors because you want to mix things up. I don't know if that's just something that is natural because we're all afraid of, you know, falling in this path of do this and then we're going to die. Because no one wants to think about that. But at the end yeah. of the day, we all have an outcome that's coming. And I think that, at least in my experiences with people, the people who get too comfortable or too afraid to take a risk with their happiness or too afraid to separate or too afraid to do this or that or this or that, it just breeds this fake tumor that just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing yeah. until this eventual pop that ends up causing mass problems instead of what you said where you just if you just take a step back see and I I think comfortability sometimes can be a killer of enjoyment yeah well that's the thing is that I, I think there's a lot of variables involved in that concept um, both physical and mental um, but to start with the physical the um, It is absolutely amazing how much your body is molding to each moment and each form of stimulation that your body perceives, right? Every single moment, like I had a chiropractor actually told me that um, every 20 minutes of non-movement, your muscles now think that this is your new homeostatic state and will start attaching to bones in accordance to your new position. Mm. So we've been sitting in this chair for this long, right? So that means that on micro like micro levels the muscles in my legs are conforming and the bones are molding to this position now is that why sometimes like for example if we sit here for any longer we'll start being like man my legs are starting to hurt or yeah uncomfortable yeah i didn't know that that's i mean there's a lot of variables in that but right that's of kind of that's kind of the concept behind it and so and then on top of that if your body doesn't have to build habits can it forget to build habits? And on the most extreme level that I've been able to like consider and start looking into is the idea of angiogenesis, which the most basic concept of angiogenesis is blood, blood clots. Like it's the creation of cells, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have like, so this is just a question I've asked myself. If you have someone who lived in a controlled environment with caution tape everywhere and, and, and wet floors don't run and like never broke their skin for say 30 or 40 years. And then they have a kid with someone with the same thing, same experience in life. And the genetic makeup of that child, the DNA structure of that child, their immuno levels, their health levels, their dexterity levels, and their angiogenetic levels are based on the direct position and the and and the copies of the two parents at the stage of inception, right? Right. Could we get to the point where we forget how to clot blood when we cut ourselves through a world <clears throat> and a society that 
is so dependent on the comforts of air conditioning and stair rails yeah. and all of these other things and actually lose the ability to like because we take so like, less damage that yeah, our body like, just doesn't need to, to do the it. point where it, your body like you just bleed out because your body forgot like i don't know I don't know how intense that is, but that's the thing. Is like you think about long-term effective action. Like we look at our societal normality right now, and we're we need to consider the fruit of the action of what does this look like three to four generations from now. Yes, we've got pollutants in the air. Yes, we have pollutants in the in the water. But the more that I've learned anatomy, the more I've looked at the actual structure of our daily routines, and the more it scares the crap out of me. Like on that level, how are we interacting? On, and, 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 and taking it even further than that. So, so the idea of like someone just sitting in a room and relying on comforts and that creating the tumor that creates reaction, right? On a physical level, that could be one of the causations is subconscious discomfort caused by a lack of motion, a lack of range of motion, a lack of um, cardiovascular movement right. <laughs> by just sweating and allowing your blood to move quickly and, and clean itself out a lack of vasodilation when you get hot outside because you don't have air conditioning a, lasso, a lack of vasoconstriction when you always have your house just warm enough that you're not shivering mm -hmm. a lack of all these things like that just by being disassociated by reality through walls by being disassociated by nature through walls the long-term effects of that. We have no clue. And I'm not talking 5G. I'm not talking no. radiation. I'm not talking any of the other variables that are happening in the world right now. I'm talking on the basic, most fundamental principle of we have lost our, our, our relationship with nature. And we have absolutely no clue what the long-term effects of that are. But I would propose to most people right now that we are incapable of living in nature without the comforts that we've created already which means that we're already acquiring a response we're already adapting a response to the environment that we've been put in because we had only had these options these are the only things that were available to us outside of transient nomadic life right is you live in a society or you do that and so like we have no clue there's no clue like never thought about that it's crazy because <laughs> it scares me <laughs> right i mean even to the point of like um i have someone in my life who is very pale skinned right and if well, now you have to yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, if if they go outside for longer without sunscreen they yeah. fry same here you know is that is that is that a genetic thing? Does that come through because maybe someone in your lineage stayed indoors more, I avoided the sun more? I think that it's genetic, but I think it's also for me personally. I sat in a call center for seven years. Like I went seven years. I mean, I'm already Scottish, so right. I already burn in twenty minutes already. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, someone who's pale skin and has a lineage of people that go 
red the minute they go outside. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and then to completely distance myself from that reality for seven years, no, I can't go outside right now for longer than 20 to 30 minutes without covering. Yeah. And if it's hot outside and the sun's direct on, I have to figure out how to cover as much as possible every time that I go outside. That's not an option anymore. Right. If I want to get a tan, that's a shirt off for 10 minutes and then I have to go back inside. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the, so. the scarier stuff that you're talking about, like your body not remembering how to clot, that, it makes sense though. Because if you, if, if exactly what you said, if you lived like a bubble boy life, right, and... Your body doesn't have to learn how to deal with stimulation right. like like the tensions of reality that's that's what creates life yeah is the is the is the is the lines of tension right you have water and you have land you have a line of tension between the two that's where the life grows right, right? you have someone you have a, a flaccid weak muscle and you have a weight that you work that muscle out with 20 times three times a day for two to three weeks, that muscle has to adapt to the, st to the stimuli and the tension. Right. That, like, health is finding the line of tension, finding where the symmetry distorts and creates something new and learning how to, uh, like, align with that in a healthy way, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, like, mold and cheese is good. Like, like all these different things, like, excess of anything to complete deprivation of anything, finding middle ground. Right. Like, and so if we are in a world where we completely deprive ourselves of the tensions that create the dexterity that allow us to live in a natural environment, then we won't be able to long term. Which then in turn, if things go bad, what do we do? Planet. We will be in what such. What do we do? You know, if, like if electricity <laughs> blows out. Electri like if the electricity blew out and all the towers for your internet and all of the five G and all that stuff just shut down, and wasn't able to be turned back on. It'd be. Anarchy. We wouldn't have trucks with produce. No. We wouldn't have systems, with 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 technology behind them. We wouldn't have any way to contact each other or communicate. Like we don't have a way to keep our houses cool now through the day. Like, there's... And then guess what? At the end of the day, you know what would have to happen? You'd have to rely on your community. Yeah. You'd have to go outside, go to your next door neighbor, and say, hey, I need help. Yeah. It's crazy. We could do that now, or we can do that when we need to, when, when Pro we absolutely have to. Proactive or reactive. Exactly. And so, but like, when I left for Standing Rock, my dad said, it's not your fight. And my response to him was, "Well, we live in a bubble. We live in we live in an, en an enclave of mountains that maintain us even from weather permitting problems, right? So, if it's not my fight, the thing that's causing it all the way up here is going to find its way to here. Yeah. And if I don't go out there and speak now, <clears throat> by the time it's here, there won't be anyone there no. to advocate for me. And so, if we do wait until it's our fight, we're not going to have anyone to call, man." There's not going to be anyone to rely on. There's like literally like if we it's bad enough not to be prepared for the situation. But if we don't even have a contingency plan outside of like, it's not my fight. Really? <laughs> you, that's a. It doesn't it's an equation for failure. It's, it's a logical fallacy. Yeah. It's like I, I'm a I'm a no man on an island and I can do it all myself. Nope. 
Sorry. Good luck. Like, going to Smith's, you just negated your whole premise. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you literally... Sorry, dude. <laughs> you just... <laughs> you killed your whole entire argument. Yep. It was a good debate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Job well done. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's crazy. I, yeah. I mean, I... I think that humans would be able to adapt if something like that happened. But at what cost? Yep. You know, and obviously cost of life, I'm sure, because there's going to be people who just give up and don't know what to do yep. and are unwilling to learn how to survive. You know, I guess depending on your outlook on life in general, might be the best for the world. The planet is suffering, as we can tell. At what point does the planet say, you know what, you guys fucked up a little too much. We need to sway things back into the planet's favor. I, I, this is a concept that I've brought up before on different episodes of different people. You know, the planet as a whole, we consider it alive, right? We consider the planet as a, not necessarily as a being, but as something that is breathing and creating. Is it far-fetched that there is a consciousness for the planet in a way? I is that too far fetched? Personally, to me, if if everything is mirrors of each other, which is what like especially in alchemy, I've noticed that I've I've found a lot of that in al- alchemetic principles is the as above, so below. Mm-hmm. The fact that everything is mirroring everything else. Right. And that if you see one mirror, you can associate it and, be, and have it be the platform of schema for something else. So, my personal opinion, I, I'm, I have no doubt that, like, there are, in the same way that I know that there are consciousness, conscious beings that are far less exquisitely, like, insanely made like I like this body is they're still conscious right like just because they're 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 smaller level reflections of the macrocosm that is the organism that I'm that I'm inhibiting right. or inhabiting then like and that's the thing is even when we started looking at cells through microscopes we realized that they are Mac, they are macrocosms of, of the things inside of them. Right. And like, it's just it's absolutely crazy how it just continues to, to permeate both directions. And for the first time in history, we have the ability of looking at it and understanding these macrocosms and microcosms through scientific evaluating perspectives. First time in history that we've had the technology to do this. Like, the, to me, the new frontier that is almost completely unexplored is is ecology right because we for the first time can walk into these ecological narratives that we're watching self-sustain and actually begin to understand the conversation that's happening between the micro and the macros and all of the organisms and all of the living things that are involved in that process right so if we can walk in and be amazed by a patch of soil for the amount of mycelium and and, and all the other things that are involved in that, in, in the, just the maintenance and the creation of that alone, and like, and the amazingness of where it comes from, and the clay and the and the rocks and, and all the things that are creating 
the space to get the nutrients and all the things and the minerals and all those things out of that and break it down into topsoil that we can actually live on. Like <clears throat> to go even further down into those rocks, into the molten core, like why not? Right. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so I don't know a lot about ecology. I, it's not something that I've studied, but there has been an article that has been going around and I don't know if it's real or if it's fake or because, you know, it's hard to tell nowadays and on social media, but it's saying that we, we have been able to notice or decipher or observe that trees actually have forms of communication with yes. other trees yeah, and that not that they necessarily speak, but some have even said that they almost have like a symbiotic relationship with each other and a friendship in a way yep. where they through either their roots or their leaves they are able to help each other and i don't if that is real if that is a true statement how can we not look at plants different yep so here's the thing what you just described is called mycelium oh is that it's a fungal network Okay. So it's fungus that grows in the dirt and creates, so it's literally like the neuro landscape of ecology is this, is this fungus that'll go through and it creates like a neuropathic network. It looks like, to me, it looks very much like the connective tissue throughout your whole entire body that's holding all of your cells together. And it also looks a lot like the neuropathways in your brain. Damn, that's so and throughout crazy. the rest of your body and so this network will go through and will connect with the plants and will actually become the superhighway that distributes minerals and distributes things to plants that are in need and create and like it it helps structure the grounds to maintain the topsoil to make sure that it's not being eroded right like it has so many purposes it's profoundly astounded astonishing but that's a real thing that's a very real thing so yeah which which is why within permaculture um and within ecology in general i i try to encourage people not to look at the uniform approach of gardening <clears throat> where you're just rototilling and you're plowing and, and you're working the topsoil and breaking down all that mycelium, you're literally killing that fungal network the minute that you rototill. And instead, and like creating these lines of plants and making sure that there's nothing in between the rows and making sure that there's no weeds and there's no right. like leaves or anything, it's just clean dirt, like bare dirt, like <clears throat> completely changing that mentality over and being like, look, have things, like have mulch, have straw, have wood chips like have things in between your plants not only by putting a, a cover layer over your over your grounds does it maintain a moisture level but by doing that and creating a permanent structure that is more natural you don't see straight lines in nature you don't see uniformity <laughs> in nature right like you see diversity you see cultivation of species working together and so if you create that within your own garden and you start propagating that, like you can, you can encourage the mycelium connection underneath the ground. You can encourage um, carbon going back into the ground, nitrogens going back into the ground because you're actually just putting it back on the dirt and watering it. 
and allowing those things to, to permeate back in. Taking your leftover food and, and composting it and creating actual rich nutritional compost that you can then amend your soil with as well. Like, right. like creating cycles of diversity instead of lines of uniformity. <laughs> like, and, and learning how to maintain energetic networks within systems instead of creating hierarchical systems where the energy just goes to the top and then disappears. Like it doesn't make any sense. So mycelium is a fungus, correct? Yes. I've been trying to do a little research on just fungi in general. And there's a lot of people who say fungi are actually very similar to humans in other ways too but it's like i don't even know how to explain it but a lot of the way that a fungus operates is similar to how a human body operates i and don't know much on that i, I don't be either surprised. <laughs> but I, I, I yeah i don't know much either it's just it's weird that we're starting to see that fungus something that 20 years ago you wasn't like fungus was usually looked at in a bad way like we're starting to realize that it's might be the life force of the planet in a way yeah and fungus and bacteria man like they they play such pertinent roles in so many different aspects of reality that we like and and like that's the idea of like trying to create this uniformed perfectly clean antibacterial world that we can live in within these walls and just stay safe from the outside world. Like, like the amount of good bacteria, I, I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think it's like 30 to 40% of the of the bacteria in your body is alien to your body. Right. It comes from an outside source. I've heard that. So if you live in a complete, if we create a completely bacteria-free world, we are debilitating 40% of our digestive system right. <laughs> like, like that's kind of intense that's not a very good idea but like and then that's the thing is if we have a conformity of meals like if we only have certain things that we're intaking because those are the only options available right. like fast food and, and produce from the store and frozen meals like what is that doing to that microbiome right like and, and vastly to, changing so it's just yeah, as being someone who is overweight and isn't as on top of a correct diet, it is very bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I will openly say it. I mean, it's, I have digest, digestion, pro, digestion problems that are 100% brought on by myself because of the food I put in my body. And like, if anyone wonders if that's true, it's true. Yeah. It's 100% true. It's, that's how it works. Yeah. And you have to live with those things that you do, which yeah. I do. Um, I want to throw out a crazy wild idea since, you know, we're talking about fungus and whatnot. Um, psilocybin being popular in media and, you know, being researched as a antidepressant and as a vast different thing than what it was in like the 80s and, you know, becoming not a party substance. Oh, there's a lot of things in okay, Oh, you're good. Um, <laughs> Is it, if we find out that fungus do operate like humans, and maybe they do, maybe they're more self-aware than that we are aware of, is it possible that they have created a substance to try and show us that they're more aware 
being something like a so edible that, mushroom that changes our reality? That is an extremely interesting question. So um, actually one of the verses that I've got tattooed on my arm is um, Romans one twenty, and it says that um, all of creation groans in expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And it's interesting because one of the last times that I referenced that verse, I was actually over at uh, a, um, we'll just say a, uh, a religious sect, and there was one of the, um, one of the like, volunteer people that were there helping out with everything, and they were talking about how in their book, they were the enlightened ones that were meant to come and bring enlightenment to the rest of the world, and like, as we figure it out, as we start like coming to this realization, like we will then be able to learn how to share it with the rest of creation, and like that we will be able to enlighten the plants, and enlighten the animals, and like do all this stuff. And and I stopped him as soon as he was done talking and said, "Well, that's interesting because based on where I like the the doctrines that I was taught, it's the exact opposite. Right? Creation is very aware. The birds are extremely aware." Like, the plants are extremely aware, the water is extremely aware, like, these elements are actually extremely, extremely resiliently wise. And when you take into consideration how long a rock and a mountain has been sitting there, if that thing's conscious and aware of its surroundings, like, that thing is extremely, extremely intelligent. Yeah. Air. <clears throat> trees. All of these things, like... And so even within Christianity, like that reaffirmation of like nature knows what she's doing. <laughs> like, she's not confused at all. Like she knows homeostasis. She knows what her homeostasis is and she knows what it's not. <clears throat> and what we're doing right now throughout history over the last 40 years and 400 years, 12, I mean, since 1200 BC, this whole entire time, like it's very obvious through nature's reaction that she's waiting for us to get it. Yeah. She's waiting for us to understand and, and she's groaning in expectation. It's difficult yeah. to hold the burden of human experience right now and and try to rectify the messes that we leave. Yeah. Either on a low level on a beach by by leaving a bunch of plastics and stuff or on a huge level by a company illegally funneling chemicals into a river see and i i really wonder going back to what i said with you know the planet being conscious and having these things like and this is something that i would have to research if it's even knowledgeable but there's berries that can kill humans there's mushrooms that can kill humans oh, there's yeah. plants that harm humans is yeah. that have those been around forever or is that a product of humans being around killing plants and then them having to react, create a resiliency yeah, network. create something to be like, hey, how about you stop? Like, yeah. you, you guys are doing this. That's why I brought up the mushroom thing. And I know that there's other um, substances and other um, plants and different things throughout the ecosystem that can cause, you know, I don't know how you say it. Like, a, I don't want to say psychedelic. That's a, a weird word, but create a different mindset if you consume it and allow for a different perspective coming from someone who has tried psilocybin um it changed a lot of my outlook and 
it was literally grown from the ground. Yep. You know, and I just, it blows my mind that that moment in time was so defining just because I ate something that the earth generated. Yeah. Like, why, <laughs> why is that? Why is that a reality that doesn't get talked about? Because, like, I, it showed me a lot of things and it, yeah. it changed a lot of things for me. And, and that's the thing is, like, as far as, like, the beginning of your question of is creation has creation created plants that are like anti-human or have those always been there right i mean the adaptability of reality is astounding yeah like the cross the cross evolution of of our own species as we've learned to and been able to interact on global scales instead of continent scales or city scales or tri tribal scales and <clears throat> i mean something that I'm really looking forward to studying more in the future is cross-pollination of plants. Mm -hmm. And what I do know is that the gardeners that I have worked with, that's actually a big issue that they deal with is the fact that like plants will cross-pollinate and they'll actually take steps to make sure that doesn't happen to maintain the, the genetics of that plant. Interesting. So, so do they... I So, hmm. I mean, long-term, I have absolutely no clue what this world looked like a thousand years ago I, I don't I know that if we keep up at the rate that we're going we will never know I bet, <laughs> I bet if we're ever able to time travel as we as you know popular media calls it I bet if we were to go back before the 1200 BC mark that you're talking about when they started changing agriculture that the planet would look so vastly different it would make oh, anyone man. uncomfortable you want to know what's crazy, like, especially with what's going on in the world right now, if anyone online, if you if you research Victory Gardens, the last time that um, we had a moment like this and, and there was a huge push for local agriculture just to maintain, I think it was during one of the world wars, but um, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in my head right now, so I, <laughs> if anything that I'm not completely 100% sure on, I'm going to say that I'm just... I think that's what it is. Right. But um, watching some of those videos, their plants were huge. So even like not that long ago in history, like the agri the the difference in the distinction of the even the traits of the plants are, are changing. Like everything's right. changing. So like everything is constantly in a constantly everything's in a constant boil. Right. Everything's changing so drastically small on such a small level all the time that we don't even notice things until they until they've changed enough that it causes a reaction. And that's true with anatomical in your body, plants, protests, government, everything. Like and so yeah, like we we have no clue. Yeah. And there's no way to know. <laughs> and and it's mind boggling to think about how much competency and how much ingenuity and how much uh, opportunity we've could have had mm. if we maintained a certain equanimity from 40 years till now with ecology and with education and with societal empowerment. But at the same time, it's just as encouraging to me that that's as viable of a future as Trump getting reelected. 
Like, and, and for all the people that are going around saying that, oh, there's only Trump and Biden, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, there's any, anything's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible every moment. Like, like succumbing to any mentality that only has certain options, you are allowing that to be ingrained into your worldview. You can, ch you can change the way you look at the world. As a matter of fact, we could expand past worldviews and start co talking about cosmologies now. Like, how does my view affect the world? No, 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 no. Take it a step further. How does your view affect cosmology and your relationship with it? Because now we can look at that firsthand through pictures from NASA. Now we have an opportunity to interact with levels of our reality that we've never interacted with before. We can have a conscious understanding of reality that encompasses so many different lexicons of thought and and find the congruencies and the inaccuracies between those and come up with our own educated positions of what reality really is and then if we can do that in a very beneficial way long term my belief is that we create the structure that diminishes and in long term extinguishes the root that has created adults that are so unconscious of the long term responses of their actions that they're willing to create trauma in a child's life or they're willing to beat their wife or they're willing to be a raging alcoholic for 15 years and then realize the the character development that that incurred within their child through their example and then have to deal with those consequences like if we can get to the roots we can start changing the behavior the root is worldviews the way that we interact with our worlds and that's based on the societal structures and the societal influences and it's based on the teachings and the and the philosophies that we're taught and we're only allowed in my mind we're only allowed as many options as we're willing to just deliberate for ourselves or that we're able to be shared with. Right. And so we have to get it from the root. We have to change the worldviews. We have to change the cosmologies. We need to, in a way, develop models that are reflective of marketing and reflective of missionaries and reflective of people who have the goal of going out and sharing a worldview or an ideology or a cosmology, we, I feel like we should start incorporating those models because they do work, but we need to start talking about these things. And we need to start empowering people in these ways because that long-term, if we're talking generational and we're caring about what happens to our great-grandchildren, that is the only way that I can find in my own understanding that creates a structured platform that is self-sustainable that they might be able to be grown into and be born into and be cultivated through that doesn't have the crazy sexual harassment and abuse that we hear about that doesn't have the crazy Bigotry injustices and, yeah. all of the isms all of the discriminations all of the ways that we divide divide and and create divisiveness and create animosity and create anger and create the plague of society that we that we're afraid to interact with on personal levels with individuals <laughs> like, right like we 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 cut the root you got to take it out it's just like bind weed morning glory whatever you want to call it it's just like that like it might be 12 
inches into the ground before that root channel starts rolling but like we got to dig all the way down right and get to that root like defunding the police that's part of the stock getting rid of ice that's part of the stock reinvesting into education that's part of the stock getting down to the very bottom and saying changing people's worldviews you can't force them build the example and allow them to start picking at the root themselves but the more that we create awareness, the more that we create an environment and platforms for discussion, the more we can do that work now. And it's quiet, and it's not luxurious, and it doesn't pay at all. No. Most of the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but it's more important. That is the any... most important yeah. world thing that I can think of. And, yeah, and, and so that's... At the end of the day... Yeah. I, to harken off what you're saying, I think that monetary value isn't important when it comes to do we want to have humans live an existence that's fulfilling and starting at that, <laughs> clipping it at that root is what would allow for that. Yeah. And I, you know, to give a little bit of positive to that, I think that we are digging. Yep. We're just trying. It's we're realizing that it's much deeper than we wanted to initially admit. Yep. And you know, because what I always keep saying is like, the generations keep getting a little bit better, a little bit better, and even the new generation of kids with having the cell phones available and seeing the diversity from social media and seeing how impactful just a word is to a whole entire culture whole entire generation how impactful you know everyone knows someone who's been a victim of like sexual harassment or even worse and the generation below us and below me and below them are noticing it at such an earlier age that they're able to learn then instead of us having to learn now and I think that that if we continue that cycle we will eventually get to a point where the positive will outweigh the negative. Yep. But it's just having conversations like this, yep. having people who are willing to put themselves out there in a position that financially might ruin them or, fi- or you know, reputation. There might be people who come after them because they're pushing the narrative that the media doesn't want. Exactly. But it has to happen if we want to ever be, you know, have humans ever be in an existence that's really worth it. And that's the thing is that every action is going to have a reaction. I mean, in the in the short amount of time that I've been helping um, document the protests and trying to allow firsthand accounts to people of, of what's happening in Salt Lake City, I mean, I've had every single kind of response. And I mean, I I didn't I have yet to do any of that for any self-publicity like I've intentionally not shown my face on any of the recordings I've gone through and tried to edit out as many of the protesters faces as I can to show respect for their confidentiality I've contacted KSL and reviewed uh, legalities of what I'm doing as an independent press individual and and what way like what liabilities I have what um, freedoms I might be able to take advantage of right and like all these different things and, and ways to set up that whole system but like 
yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's pushing the awareness of it and, and, and making that be your focal point and not worrying about, not worrying about the response, <clears throat> not worrying about the reaction that's going to happen. People that are triggered from what you're doing are going to respond negatively. Right. People that are encouraged by what you're doing are going to respond positively. Um, someone that gets triggered does not mean that you're burning a bridge or that there's animosity in, in, immediately. Like That is an opportunity for conversation. That's what the Black Lives Matter protests have been encouraging people to do is like, hey, hear what the testimonies of these people are in person, firsthand, right in front of your face in real life. Hear what they have to say about what their lives have been like because of the things that they've gone through because of a one variable between the two of you. This is their personal experience. This is the same, to me it has the same value as a Mormon getting up during testimony meeting. This is the testimony of a human being and their personal experiences. And then you take those words and you en ingrain them and you feel them and then when someone comes and, and, ha and, and starts attacking that, you express for that person and advocate for them using the emotions and and respecting who they are and and trying to stand up for the, what they said right like not even like making it in your own words and, and trying to be like a, a savior of any type but just being just being a voice that will speak up for another voice yeah. like because you took the time to listen to the initial voice so now you know their position and you can try to with as much grace and humility as possible try to Share. project that yeah. right and so yeah like if it, as we go through this process of learning how to not only interact with people in more personal ways but to work through the traumas we've gone through work through our triggers work through our worldviews work through our presuppositions work through our logical fallacies find the congruency in all of this find find the middle ground find the unity find the solidarity and find the long-term progression towards something that looks much better than what we had like I don't I will I my philosophy is I don't want to have a child until I live in a world that I want to raise them in and I am still single without a child and so until I create that world and I live in that world that I would want to raise them in that I know has the presuppositions that encourage grace and sacredness to life and respect and dignity and self-worth like until I until I live in a world that's based on these tended like these it does it I don't it's I almost find it like unjust yeah. to like bring someone into a world where they're going to go through the things that I went through <laughs> like it's not it wasn't right for me to go through those things. It's not right for other people to go through the things that they've gone through. Like, and, and until we get rid of that variable and we create the constant, to the best of our ability, where that that maintains a social structure of, of peace and, and gentleness and, and empowerment, like that should be the work. That should be the goal. That should be the the mission is to create that. Yeah. That really should. Yeah.
I hope that one day we can all sit back and just be like, look where we really came from. Yeah. Because we can say that now, but are we still... Has it been that much progress in, in reality? I mean... I don't know. With, with the LGBTQ and with um, a lot of the other things that have happened over the last decade, I think that we are we are surely setting the stage yeah. for for a level of equal rights within self-expression and within diversity. Yeah. And I think that if we continue to peacefully yet fiercely encourage that forward, then it will continue to create the momentum that we've already seen. Like, like the things that I've, the, the, the awareness and the, um, expression and the beauty that I found within LGBTQ and within the pride parade has been inspirational. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't think we would have, I know that we wouldn't be where we are right now if that, those events hadn't happened. And. I'm positive that the people that were involved in those events are even having our current conversation of like, what did we really actually do? But that's the thing is you never really know what the example did. Like you don't know what kind of permeation creates. Like even with this, like we have no clue how many people are going to take one 10 second clip out of this and actually try to implement it and change right. their life. Like you have no clue. So the best you can do is just constantly just push put it out there constantly push it man (laughs) so yeah and trust trust like that's the beautiful thing is like i don't have to trust that my value or that my work or that my inherent gifts are intrinsically an aspect of anything that i've said tonight Right. Like that's the beautiful thing is that all of these things in and of themselves are intrinsically valuable. They're not based and dependent on anything in and of themselves. Right. Like they are just what they are. And so they're easily easily cultivated, easily integrated. Because you you just have to try to change your habits. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and at the end of the day, like if you take those small steps, it's really not in the grand scheme of everything that is reality, it's really not difficult to do. It's not hard. You just have to take those steps. Yep. And people are either afraid or too... I, th- I think that... I don't know how to express this thought as well, but I think that humans have this thing where they don't want to be wrong because of a fear of like their whole life being a failure. For example... You get an example, someone who's in their 50s or whatever, finding continuity errors in their religion or finding something that really stands out where they're like, I don't know if that's true. And now they have to either mentally come out and say, I was wrong this whole time, which could affect not only the relationships around the people that they've built that trust on or family or financial or anything, that's an extremely scary thing to do and i think that i think that crosses a lot of people's mind especially during times like this where they they realize the problem they realize the thought process but they are so worried that if they try and change it 
that they're going to lose everything they worked for in their lives. And it, as sad as it is to say, it, you have to. But that's yeah. the thing is that it's that's how it's built. It's a codependence network. Like, and especially within Mormon communities, I mean, that's been like, so when, it, when I left Mormonism and went into Christianity, they actually had a class in the, that um, the Christian church put on called uh, Transitioning from Mormonism. And, and they went through all the psychological effects of like, when you leave a religion, it's the equivalent of going into mourning. Like you're, lo you're losing a community of people that you were possibly raised with you're losing all the personal reactions and personal experiences that you've had volunteering with people. Like the, the change in dynamic of an environment when you're volunteering in comparison to getting paid is absolutely amazing. It's yeah. beautiful. And so <clears throat> you're losing that. You're losing your community. You're losing your support groups. You're losing your extracurricular activities, the things that you were investing time into. And so, in a lot of ways, it's just like losing a person in your life. Yeah. Like, now you have a hole where you used to spend time with them. Now you have a hole where the things that you did for because you just wanted to volunteer your time, whether it be for a corporation or just in your own personal life, and if they were involved, they're no longer there. Like, you lose an actual person in your world. Like, there's just... And so, yeah, like... You're basically restarting it's, it's, the, it's the hardest thing. Like, and, and I've done it twice now where I walked away from Mormonism and I've walked away from Christianity and both times lost connection with over 500 people. Wow. And went from being an integrated aspect of these communities where I had my space <clears throat> and I had my purpose and I had, and, and I had a direction that I was going and completely falling straight on my face and being like, I, I don't have anything at this point. Like, I, I, I can't call any of these people because they won't answer the phone. I can't interact with any of them because I've been told not to. Like, or at least within Christianity, that happened a little bit. But, um, yeah, and so, it, yeah, it's, but that's the thing is like, just like, but it's the same thing within corporate business in a weird way of like, <clears throat> you can spend 30 years working for a corporation and then you accidentally use profanity on a line with the wrong customer and you get fired that day. Yeah. Like that, and then you go through the same exact kind of experience as you do with religion of 500 people that you were working with. You don't ever get to see them again. Like the friends that you were sitting next to that you were like doing crossword puzzle in between calls, like you're never gonna, like if you do see them again, it's gonna be when they're not at work and they're gonna be tired as hell anyway. Right. And so it's like, yeah. And and so that that's why going back to like, how can you get involved with things? That's why I think that being extremely, um, extremely intentional with your decision of who you wanna, be work with and and the and the different organizations and things like that and really like really thinking that through as you're making those decisions not jumping into exactly yeah yeah so because you're you're there are plenty of well-intentioned groups that are doing the best they can yeah. there are plenty of 
non not well-intentioned groups and corporations that are also doing the best they can. (laughs) (laughs) So finding the one that you align with the best and really, really, really looking at their intentions and the fruit of their actions up to that point and making the decision if that's where you want to involve yourself. And then if you can do that, with really good reflection and start investing time into the right group. Yes, you're going to have people in that group that are subordinate. You're going to have people that are trying to build a hierarchy and get at the top of it. You're going to have people that just cause drama because they're in subconscious pain because they're stuck in a reality that's not giving them what they really need to be fully vital in their, in their life. But like, but as long for me, as long as the overall structure is going in the direction that I agree with, so like the Utah Permaculture Collective, Heal Utah, Sierra Club, um, Project Empathy, New Hope Community Center, like there are plenty, plenty of groups that I'm still interacting with as often as I can. Warm Springs Alliance, like Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative, like there's plenty, plenty to get involved with and everyone's going to have their flaws but finding one that like actually has a really good moral ground and and is pushing towards something that is not self exalting but has a mission that is creating a reality that people can live in for the sake of creating a reality so that people can live in it (laughs) so like and getting involved with that and then slowly beginning that transitionary period over to a new life like it's hard painful it's it feels a lot like having someone die on in your life like and it takes just like someone dying and going through a mourning process it goes you it takes time healing takes time in every single regard it takes time of of interacting with what you need to interact with and it also takes time of depriving yourself of the thing that you think you need but both of those it takes the time to heal so yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't even know how long we've been going. We've been going quite a while. <laughs> that's the cool. That that's what I love about doing this. Oh, eight fifty-seven. Dang. Um, is time flies by, especially when the conversation is just flowing. Yeah, we've been at this for two hours now. Um, I can't. Oh, still, city oh, gave no, us. We're at three hours now. Yeah, two hours forty-one. Uh, Still City gave us a hundred bits, which is about a dollar. Saying thank oh, you, <laughs> thank you, Lots Still City. Fun. Um, if you'd like, we can go ahead and end on that. Cool. Um, I would love to have you back. I mean, we didn't even touch on the any of the stuff. Any, that you <laughs> no, I mean none of the stuff that was in the title, <laughs> and that that actually makes me very excited because. Wow. That means that (laughs) there's so much more knowledge to spread around. Because, I mean, anyone who listens to this, if you take away even a percent, there was something to gain from this podcast because I gained something, which I don't know if I can say has happened on many episodes. So I want to thank you for your time and, you know, your involvement in the community and helping Utah grow to a better a better place yep. you know you're definitely i don't you know i don't 
know if you're a person who likes pats on the back, but you are, you're helping. I I like seeing a reaction to action. And yeah. I, I like, yeah, I like, I like pushing just, in, it's just like in massage. I like pushing just enough to watch something release. Mm. So... <laughs> Well, how about this? Um, well, since we'll close out, why don't you tell people where they can find all the stuff you're involved in? And as yeah. well, obviously, when I post this up, I'll make sure all your social medias and yeah. website is... Uh... So actually, um, I was thinking about it while we were talking, and that guy that we referenced at the beginning of the conversation, I can actually... I think I've got him. Yeah. So <clears throat> his name was Darren. Um, anyone local that's looking for help with taxes, I... I started a LLC in May of last year, didn't start a bank account, didn't do anything, just got an EIN and started running with it. And um, this guy took my phone call at um, 9 p.m. and instead of saying that, yeah, we'll do this and this and this and this is how much it's going to cost, he was just like, this is the process that you should go through, you can do it yourself, and this is how easy it is. And um, then once you get to the certain point, give me a call back and I'll be able to continue to push with you and, and encourage you with this. But his name is Darren. Um, his phone number is 208-360-2035. And I'm pretty sure he'd be pretty okay with someone just giving him a call and asking some questions. Um, I'll look at the second link. So the Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative um, we're trying to grow as many gardens as we can, create as much um, soil amendments as we can, and encourage as many people as um, possible to start gardening and help out with gardens in their... Um, I'm looking at this under Google Maps, that's not going to work. But <laughs> <laughs> to start creating gardens and start um, inter interacting with their community and growing food and helping people eat good food. Um, we also have put together a really good system for um, maybe making sure that uh, we're maintaining COVID um, social distancing and keeping people safe and all of those things. Um, they are just neighborhoodresiliency.com. Um, so if you don't know how to spell resiliency, it's uh, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-C-Y is how they spelled it for the website. So neighborhoodresiliency.com, check that out, get involved as much as possible. Um, my personal stuff is at rhettrobertson.com, just my first and last name. Um, I have a few CDs. Um, Actually, since it's pertinent to the conversation we've had, um, I've been rewriting the Bible from an activistic viewpoint. Interesting. And I called it the questionable context because it is very questionable. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so that's available on there. It's just kind of like the rough drafts as I'm working through it. I've got, oh man, I think I'm like 20 chapters in or something. So I got a good amount of that on there. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of any other plugs. I know there was at least one other one that I was thinking about earlier, but it's not coming to mind. So. I'm sure it will afterwards, and we can always make sure that it gets put in the descriptions and different yeah. things like that. Um, if you're hearing this on any of the other platforms, make sure you guys go check out the websites that are linked. Um, 
show some love and definitely comment something that you learned from this podcast, something that you took away and something that you were going to try and do to better your life. And if you volunteer, reach out. I want to hear about it. I want to know what you're doing in your community. I want to know if there are things that you're involved in that are progressing your community. And, you know, I'm going to give you guys something to try and do this week. Go to wherever your downtown is, whether you live in Utah or California or Russia. I know we got some Russian fans and some Sweden fans and some German fans. Cool. Go, go talk to one person on the street. You don't have to know them. Just go up and say, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Wes, or obviously whatever your name is. And uh, talk to them. See how they're doing. Yeah. And if that person isn't receptive, try another. Yeah. Just... Just just say hi up to the point where someone says hi back and actually interacts with you and see what it feels like. Yeah, have a short conversation because I promise that it does, if you are introverted, like I, I used to be as well, and, you know, reaching out to new people, it it does help a little bit. It makes you feel more comfortable to have those interactions later on when you want to. Yeah. Um, you build the habit. Yeah, you build the <laughs> habit. Uh, training wheels, training wheels. <laughs> <laughs> As far as everything else goes, uh, thank you everyone who is watching live and if you're still hanging out here. Um, you guys rock. And I personally will be back tomorrow, 1230. We'll be doing the part two of the Read Between, Read Between the Wines book club for Chuck Palahniuk's book, Haunted. It's a wild one. I don't know about that book. Um, as well as a couple other podcasts tomorrow that are scheduled. Make sure you just check all the socials. You'll see it there. Um, and if you are interested in the part two, I would love to work that out with you and have you come back and, oh, yeah. you know, share some more knowledge. Yeah, totally down. No, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Um, there might be an outro music for those of you listening on different platforms. I hope you enjoy it. Um, goodbye for now. <laughs>